Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You want to be that uh, David Bowie song? Jiggy play guitar, Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jack TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Okay, there we are. Holy smokes. It is the big broadcast. We are live on Sunday Radio Broadcast and also the mix on Tuesdays, iHeartRadio. We have a uh, couple new stations joining us at amfm247.com today, which is pretty cool. And, of course, my buddy John is back. How are you, sir? You are making things happen. <laughs> like I'm owing to. Oh, look at that! There goes my mic. Holy smokes, it's a Sunday. Uh-oh. That's fantastic. It's like you had a Kenny Bowen <laughs> thing happen there before it We just. <laughs> That's awesome. And we got it on tape. <laughs> okay, well, let's do this. <laughs> Holy smokes! Well, let's do this. I am gonna. I am not going to go to our guest. <laughs> I am going to find something. Just Music. Just all babble or something while you're fixing that, okay? Hey, that's fine. Do it. Right, just give me that's like, awesome. I feel mean, like, I like Star Mega Bowling. Oh, I love bowling. We may not agree on everything, but I like the guy. And the guy as a talent was awesome. If you guys don't know who we're talking about... There's a gentleman that used to be with a promotion in Louisville, Kentucky, home of Jim. I am a raving, raving. <laughs> yes, Cornette, baby. He probably knows more and is more intelligent about the pro wrestling business than not anybody in the world right now. But if you aren't a raving progressive liberal, you're a piece of crap. At this <laughs> but Kenny Bolton was his lifetime. And Bolin ended up becoming one of the main heel managers, which for people that, you know, follow MMA or don't have an, you know, a insider view on the wrestling world means the bad guys there. He managed them and he was one of the main personalities. He became a main, um, uh, what would you say, a TV personality also. Yes. And I think Mr. Jim Jim Ross would say a a, uh, protagonist. I don't know. Yeah, that man has a family. <laughs> okay, well, let's do this. Let's go. And I believe we might have Aaron. Aaron, How can you, you doing, hear my me? man? Let me see here. I'm slowly getting everything set up here because right before we came to you, I had... <laughs> I might, my microphone fell apart on me. So... Oh, <laughs> That's fun. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. And it all of a sudden just came completely loose. Yeah, just loose, gone, out of here. So we are going to see. 
if we can... Okay, Aaron, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, I've got John, too, so we can hear everybody. And we're going to try to get something figured out here. I'll tell you, you know, if, if the show was just radio and not video, we would be perfect. But I got I to gotta do all all this adjusting of cameras so people can see everyone. Okay. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> I love this. Okay, Aaron, go ahead and introduce yourself, my friend, and talk to me and John a little bit about yourself, and then we'll uh, we'll get things going here. I'm trying to get everything set, so I figured we'll, we'll give people something to listen to while I fix the TV component. Cool. Right on. Well, my name is Aaron Howell, and I am the uh, lead singer slash band dad for the international rock combo uh, motherfucking ruckus from denver colorado <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> are you guys like a christian band <laughs> sorry i'm just having fun there yeah yeah uh actually the mf stands for mother friendly i i misspoke there <laughs> i like you already Aaron. Yeah, and, and and at my age, it's starting to stand for missing follicles as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, so this name—I I, got to know about this name, baby. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, the the short version is the band has been together for well over twenty years. Um, the the first show I played with what I would consider consider my band which never stopped um was saint patrick's day 1997 um now that band was named by the the lead singer that we had at the time um who is who has since passed on but we needed a clean name for the first show that we did because we were playing a uh, a youth center here in denver <laughs> which was interesting being a band <laughs> full of agnostics and atheists so i but it was it was this youth group that we could, would go hang out at and go see bands and, and you know, they'd have coffee and pool and arcade games and, and punk bands would play. And, and, I mean, we would even go to the Bible study to, to, just, to just talk and, and learn and, uh, and satiate our, our adolescent curiosity. But at that point, the band was called Fourth Year Freshman, which is a band name that does not work for a bunch of grown men out of high school trying to play rock and roll. You know, it, it works It works for a high school punk rock band. But, uh, you know, we outgrew the name. Did and, you guys uh, ever come through Salina, Kansas? We came through Salina, Kansas all the time. Okay, because I think I interviewed you for Jiggy Jag TV at one point. You I remember probably, that name, Fourth Year Freshman. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, you shit. probably did. We, we, used to, we used to play Salina a lot. That's awesome. Actually, um... <laughs> Uh, my, my buddy Raymond from Salina, Kansas, did this tattoo on my, my arm. Uh, Look at that. He's uh, yeah, he's he's one of the uh, he's one of your more prominent um, tattoo artists. And I think we played in Hutchinson, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you probably I, did. I, I, yeah, but but yeah, we used to go to Salina all the time. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, um, you know, it, it, the line the lineup had changed so many times and the sound of the band had changed so many times. And, yeah. um, you know, it. At that point, I was really the only original guy who played that first show. So we, you know, and I, I hammered on this for years. Of got guys, we've got to rebrand. We've got to change the band name. It's not even the same band name anymore. Just because <laughs> it, it never stopped, doesn't mean that it's it's the same band. So yes, uh, 
you know, we went back and forth on some different ma- band names, and we were arguing and and trying to figure out what sounded the coolest. And we happened to be listening to some Wu Tang Clan. You know, <laughs> Wu Tang Wu Tang is the most Wu-Tang punk rock and forever. metal. It like Wu Tang is the most punk rock and, and heavy metal hip hop band of all time. And um, you know, we really liked them a lot, and they they influenced. If you listen to some of our lyrics, every it's once so in a while, fun. you'll hear a little hint of a 80s, 90s hip-hop reference. We reference Eazy-E in some of our songs. We've referenced <laughs> Too Short. We've referenced Wu-Tang in, awesome. in, in our songs. Um, so, so, yeah, so we're driving around, and we're listening to Bring the Ruckus. And, uh, and you know, the, the chorus, the, the intro, the Bring the Motherfucking Ruckus comes on. And we were like, man, how cool our, our drummer... Or actually, I said, man, how cool would it be to just call the band Motherfucking Ruckus? And uh, Ty, our drummer, just said, you know, who says we can't? Why not? You know, who we, says can, we can do can't. whatever we want. <laughs> so um, now over here in the States, people are a bit more uptight about profanity. Oh, yes. um, but when we've gone over to Germany, they've actually asked us, you know, why do you guys abbreviate the word motherfucking? And... <laughs> And I told them, you know, I, when people ask that, I'm like, well, we can't put posters up uh, in restaurants or public places if uh, they have profanity on them. And, and people in Germany were just blown away by that. They're like, you can't say dirty words? And it's like, well, you can say them, but you can, you know, only say them on, like, YouTube channels and on HBO and stuff like that. Like, you can't, you can't say them on network television. You can't say them on yeah, radio. Yeah, it's... It, the, the, the German heavy metal scene and the German music scene, uh, one, one of our good buddies, Mr. Michael Nagy, who uh, went back to Jersey, he is into the industrial, electronic, you know... Oh, the Germans that, love that. That scene. And he loves the hell out of these bands, and when they come through, he always interviews them, and he always, you know, has to change his intro because usually it's Michael Nagy for Jiggy Jag TV, and then he changes it for them, where he's like, "Motherfucking Michael Nagy here with Jiggy Jag TV," and he gets them all hyped, and they all get into it, and they all understand, and and they get comfortable. Whereas he's done a few, or he there's a few where he's done professional, you know, straight down the middle type things with them. Right, right, and and yeah, they don't understand what's going on. So yeah, I'm sure you explaining the poster situation to them, they're like, huh? Well, and 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 what we what we what we kind of did to offset the, um, you know, because it is kind of lame that you have to that you have to make it say MF because you can't use you can't use swears or it'll upset <laughs> the children, you know. God, God forbid anyone teach their children context or the appropriate times to use profanity or, or what their what their application and utility are. Um, but so we kind of offset that by, by creating you know integrating it into a piece of our branding where you know we have we have our like superhero emblem. The thing that popped into my head when I asked the designer Josh Finley to do that was I was like, you need to look at Mega Man. You need to look at Mega Man <laughs> yes, bad guys yes. and just see see how each one of the bad guys and each one of the good guys kind of has their own their own emblem, their own symbol, and so so we began working the MF into a big part of our uh, big part of our branding of of our whole universe of creations, and we actually have a document called the Manifesto Fraterno, which is kind of our um, it's kind of our statement of vision and purpose. It's our it's our band. Um, 
our band mission statement essentially and it's a document that where almost every single word in the document uh is an m or an f like all the different all the different values that we have like all the different focuses that we have um are our mf statements and so we've, we've just integrated it into into our branding in kind of a tongue-in-cheek sort of way that's awesome i love it <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, John Mosier with us today. He made the trip in from Wichita. And, oh, right uh, on. Kirby's and, Beer and, Store. Uh, oh, yeah, I got drunk there many, many times. <laughs> many times we, listening to bands. We played there one time. Years ago, we were on tour. I want to say it was actually the last stop of a tour that we began seven years ago today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I posted on our Instagram story the, the the poster for that tour. So I guess it didn't start today, but I released the poster for that tour seven years ago today. But the last stop of the tour was at Kirby's Beer Store. And I want to <laughs> say we played for three people. And because the bar was so small, we were able to have a guy from the band stand in each corner of the room. And, 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 oh, my God. And, and surround the crowd in the bar, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's you know? a it's a different little venue, but it's kind of fun when you get some people in there and stuff. But oh, I love I love it. Kirby's Beer Store is great. <laughs> First time I went to Kirby's Beer Store, what what one of the things that I always I always talk about is in this uh, in in our studio here here at the uh, here at the old uh, KJAG Radio. I have posters from bands that I've got signed all over the place, and I think I may have a fourth-year freshman poster somewhere on this wall. I'm sure you do. And, uh, if, if we used to play Salina a lot, and like, uh, uh, yeah, and so the first time I went, somebody told me they're like, "You got to go to Kirby's Beer Store. It's the coolest thing ever." And I went down there, and I'm looking around at all the posters all over the walls, and I'm like, "I drove a half hour to come to my house." Uh, but, <laughs> What's going on here? It looks the right, exact right. same thing, and uh, right. and I'll tell you, the magic of Kirby's is uh, pr- pretty amazing. And it's a great place. It, it is. It, it is pretty amazing. And uh, yeah. so, so when you guys played Hutch, where where do you re- do you kind of halfway remember where you might have played there? Because man, I I'm I sure barely... it probably wasn't like McGraw's or something. I'm sure that's no, way. I I do remember the name of a few places we played in um in Salina. I know we played the Blue Mule when blue, it was around. The Blue Goat is what it was. Or called. the Blue Goat, yeah. The blue we, Goat, yes, the legendary the, yeah. Blue Goat. <laughs> yeah, we used we used to play the we used to play the Blue Goat a lot and um. Yeah, yeah I, man, I, we, I I know that's I know that's where we uh, <laughs> I know that's where we linked up with you guys because you know what I now that you mention <laughs> it I'm having I'm having a vague recollection our times in Salina were always a little bit hazy I'm sure you can understand oh yes yes people people in Salina drink in a way that I have never seen since you know what's like, funny. It, about Salina and, and my mom and I when when we lived there you know all those years she used to always talk about everybody she always used to ask people why are people always on there's more bicycles in this town a lot of bicycles and, and they were like what's well, because everyone gets DUIs oh yeah everyone's on bikes oh yeah and, and every and we actually we actually had we had an instance where I, I like the cops are so used to people just being drunk there we <laughs> When when we dealt yes. we dealt with the cops for some reason I, I can't remember what it was for but 
it was some dramatic night in Salina because almost of every course. time we played in Salina, there was some it was. kind of drama. You know? Yes. <laughs> but the cops were so cool. They were just, you know, they were young guys. You could tell they partied on their nights off. They gave us a ride <laughs> to our hotel room so that we wouldn't drive drunk. You know, they were just the nicest dudes and, and just, just oh, yeah, we saw you guys last time you were in town. <laughs> you know, super nice guys. You know, the line is fun. There, there, was, there was a guy, he, and and I'll have to, I'll have to, I've got to dig up this. I know there's an interview or two somewhere with you guys and we did uh and i know one of them had to have been with our resident drunk bruce on the loose and this guy he would get so hammered at the bar that like he would uh stumble home and the cops would always end up giving him rides home because he would like stop and he would be like protect and serve give me a ride home protect and serve (laughs) and they're like okay bruce get in the car yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah. We're always Bruce's taxi. That's kind of bad. And, and, and we, I mean, we really, we played so many shows in Salina, and I cannot for the life of me remember the name of of many of these places because it's been so long, but the Blue Goat for sure. Yeah, there was All the right. Blue Goat. Uh, there, uh, I'm uh, right across the street, kind of catty corner across the street was the Paramount Bar, which was like, oh my God, and it's still there. And the Paramount is tiny. You get Kirby's beer store has more room than the Paramount. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we ever did the Paramount. I mean, it was just it was one of those things where we would we would do Salina at the beginning or the end of a tour because it number one we always had a great time. Yeah, it was a great it was a great warm up, and we always got so well taken care of in Salina. We always got fed. We always got a place oh, to yeah. stay. We always yeah. got paid well. Yeah, Matt Stewart and fantastic. Kevin Hardison, who used to book the Blue Goat, Tim Dixon, they used to always make sure everybody got paid, everybody got yeah. fed, everybody had a place to stay. Yeah. They, they, no, I have I have nothing but positive things to say about, about our time in Salina. And and also, since you guys were, uh, I'm, I'm assuming... Since you're driving from traveling from Colorado, it's a hop, skip, and a jump. You go to Salina, and boom, you're back at Colorado. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a longer drive because it's uh, you know what is it? It's like eight hours from here. But yes. When you're but Denver is kind of an oasis in the middle have, of a of a vast wasteland. I have nothing. Uh, <laughs> me, uh, you know, me and Ninja Larry used to meet more bands who were either coming from Colorado, heading to Wichita, Kansas, or going from Salina to Colorado. In yep. fact, one of the stories that I love telling is the fact that I met Wayne Static at a Walmart one time in Salina. And he oh, had, no way. He, he had no clue where he was. He he, he went in. Uh, I was For whatever reason, I was at the Walmart at midnight on a Thursday. I don't know why. <laughs> John John probably has 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 you know some some comment that he's uh, coming up in his head that he'll pop out here a little bit. But uh, and I I go into the Walmart and and I and I see Wayne Static and I'm like he can't miss that hair. No. And I walk well, up you... to him at one point and I'm like, so you're Wayne Static? And he's like, yeah. I don't even know what town this is, but we're headed to Denver. <laughs> yeah. We used to have a guy here in Denver, a kind of a local character, <laughs> who deliberately went out of his way to look exactly like Wayne Static. <laughs> That's 
awesome. So, like, you would see this guy walking around with the Wayne Static hair and the eyeshadow and all the stuff, and you'd be like, dude, that's fucking Wayne Static. And then someone else would go, no, that's not Wayne Static. That's this guy here in town who really likes being mistaken for Wayne Static and, and dresses like him and walks around looking like him. He's, he saw a wait, he saw a Static X poster and just went like, yes, that's it. That's my identity Oh, forever. I wish to God I would have known about this guy when we were at Exotica last year in Denver because uh, Michael Nagy is a huge Wayne Static mark, and he would have been like, I could have just pointed him in that direction. He could have been like, oh, it's Wayne Static. <laughs> Dude, I, I, just, I just wonder how many times that, that, that poor misguided groupies have, have betted that guy like and woken up oh, the next yeah. day and been like, I can't wait to tell my friends I went home with Wayne Static and it's like, I'm not Wayne Static, I'm you know, Peter blah, Smith. Blah, blah, and... blah, you know. <laughs> no no no, I'm Dwayne Static. <laughs> Dwayne Static. It's different. I'm his fourth cousin, yeah. Very similar. <laughs> yes. No relation. No. You know, that that's that's fantastic. So uh bring me up to speed on on, on what you're doing uh with with all the things that you're doing now because you've got your hands and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, back in the days when we used to go to Salina a lot were days when we were touring a lot more heavily. Um, we, we were a lot more reckless in our approach and it was pretty much just like gig, 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 tour, tour, tour. And, um, you know, since those days we've had some lineup changes, obviously, you know, as time is wont to do, uh, you know, time has, has passed and we've gotten a little bit older and yes and and everybody's gotten married and and i just had my first child uh about a month ago actually cool. he's five weeks old today uh-huh. um which is super cool and uh our drummer ty has had a couple of kids and and we're we're in this position where we have you know we've got the lineup the way we want it we're all best friends you know me and logan and tony and ty are super tight as close as close can be and we have no plans to stop doing what we're doing so a few years ago well yeah i mean it's you know some guys have have golf some guys have car clubs we have a band (laughs) and um you know we 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 are in the fortunate position where we have a reasonably good following for a small underground band. You know, we have our label, Rodeo Star Records in Germany, and we have this opportunity to go tour now and then. So we had to really decide how we were going to keep the band functioning. And, you know, it takes us a while to do an album. Um, we, we do write a song, well, a lot of songs. We're a pretty prolific band. But just uh, logistically speaking, it, it takes us a long time because of, you know, budget constraints, the fact that, you know, Tony is moving back to Chicago for a second time, so we have to do a lot long distance. And, um, and we were trying to come up with ways that we could best serve the 1% to 2% of our fan base who is super engaged and oh, always yeah. hungry for more stuff. Yeah, you're, you're wanting to make sure that uh, people, you know, are out there because... Uh, there, this is the one thing, and I and I think that's nice that you guys are doing what you're doing, is the fact there are so many bands and so many people, and and this this could be you know bands, comic book artists, anybody that that we've talked to, even porn stars, they uh, they don't keep putting the content out there, mm-hmm. and it's like people want to know what you're up to. Oh, it's got to be <laughs> consistent. It's got to be fan. consistent. <laughs> 
It's it's got to be consistent quality stuff. And so what we what we decided, you know, a few years ago was we were going to focus on giving people something more to sink their teeth to. You know, everybody uses the Beatles as a reference when they're talking about when they're talking about exemplary bands. You know, well the Beatles did it this way, and. <laughs> And I'm going to do that again. Sorry. Uh, but, you know, when awesome. you, you look at when the Beatles came out, right? And they had, they had an entire industry that was just built around the additional supplemental content that came with the band. You know, they, yes. had, they had the movies and they had the, like, little fanzines and they had, you know, all the merchandise and things like that. And then you look at a band like Kiss that has has all oh, their yeah. supplemental world that you can that you can dive into and you know to to a different extreme you have these bands that are um you know we're from Colorado where the jam scene is huge yes. you know you you look at bands like Fish and Widespread Panic and uh and Yonder Mountain String Band and things like that and they'll do they'll do 3 to 6 night stands at, at Red Rocks here in in Denver. Oh yeah. And and they won't repeat another song. They have theme nights, they do all these things. And we started to brainstorm ways that we could keep our top people engaged. Cuz we're not interested in being the most popular kid on the block. <laughs> we're more interested in being the 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 kids at the park that that a few people go smoke weed at, with before class. You know what I mean? Like we're, That's awesome. we're 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 not interested in necessarily getting in front of the right people as we are doing right by the people in front of us. Yeah. So we we set out deliberately to serve a very very small portion of of the people who follow us, and then That's we fantastic. have found that that in turn spreads out to the more casual and secondary and tertiary ring of fans. And so um, I've had the fortune to work for a, um, I've had the good fortune to work for Burn TV and uh, the Nug Nation, which are um, pieces of, uh, well, Burn TV is a platform and then the Nug Nation is is a piece of content um, it's it's all cannabis lifestyle based stuff. Yes. So I've gotten to see, uh, I've gotten to see entertainment and media from this perspective of a content channel, and uh, I've I've be- become a huge fan of Patreon and have have started following a lot of creators and content channels on Patreon. You know, I back yes. Wisecrack and Kurtzkasag and storytellers and a bunch of people. And so what we started to brainstorm was ways that we could serve the people in front of us, create content, create art, create music for the people in front of us. So we started beefing up our YouTube channel. We started doing the MF Monday series, which is all just videos of us presented as though we were just jamming in the living room um, up at Evergroove Studio where we're doing our albums. So we go up and we do deep cuts and cover songs and new stuff that we're working on and don't really have all the way fleshed out. Um, so we have that series. We've done 32 episodes of that on our YouTube channel, MF Ruckus TV. And then we have the comic series, which the idea with that is to eventually, when we have the funding to be able to make it happen, is to do a bi-monthly motion comic series that people can follow. So uh, we just released the second chapter. We're getting ready to do the third chapter of that. 
Um, the motion comic for the second chapter should be done this month and, and released next month. We're, we're working hard on promoting that. But we do all the voices for the characters in it. Um, I write the stories myself. We have a local uh, independent comic hero who's kind of a uh, brilliant uh, hesh comic, absurdist, satanic, just just really brilliant guy. This guy Jake Fairley, <laughs> who is who is doing um, doing our comic. He's the creator of this series called This Is Heavy Metal, which when I first saw, I literally thought was a a one off run by Heavy Metal magazine. It's that good, and uh, I, I ended up hiring him to do our book. Uh, the front lines of good times, which is the big thing that we're promoting right now, and then in addition to that, we do our podcast, um, the the motherfucking podcast. You can find it the MF podcast on um, on wherever you get your podcast from, and we do that every week uh, before we go to rehearsal to write songs and prepare for the new album. So, well, I think we the whole Patreon thing is fantastic. That's one thing that uh, I see a lot of people going to patreon um, oh it's smart you know it's smart. Our, our, a rising tide lifts all ships and our buddy our buddy michael other, Nagy does patreon he told me at one point he's like oh, i'm gonna start doing patreon and i'm like okay and then a little bit later on he's like holy shit this patreon thing works <laughs> yeah i mean we we don't have a huge monthly budget but we have you know we have about 32 patrons from which we get you know we get about 500 bucks a month and wow. that's you know, God that's damn, one... that's nothing to sneeze at, baby. No, that's a good gig. That's one good gig. Holy that's one shit. good gig. And and that that enables us to that enables us to do our podcast. It enables us to do our videos. It enables us to pay our studio bill. You know, it enables us to put money into marketing. It enables us to do uh, to do equipment upgrades when we need to, to buy merchandise, uh, you know, all the things that a band needs to survive. And one of the big things that the big reasons that we started doing things the way we do is we're like, listen, if we want to do this Patreon thing, we have to offer a lot to people. Well, yeah. We have to, yeah, we have and... to under, we have to under promise and over deliver yep. on what we're giving to people. And so we can't just be relying on, you know, Hey, help us get our album out. Uh, yeah, yes. Because that's because one it, thing it, Nagy has been able to do is that he does band interviews. And so what he'll do is he'll do, like he, he would interview your band and he, he would talk to you guys for like 10 minutes. And then he would do an extra five minutes where he would just ask, you know, fan questions that people had submitted on Patreon or right. questions that you guys don't want to answer publicly but you don't really mind answering it for you know a you know his a few his, people you right. know yeah yeah his Patreon thing, and he he makes you know he's not making the kind of money you're making, but <laughs> he, well, I mean, he makes on the small he, end. well and that too at, that's you know crazy. you look at you look at someone like you look at someone like Kurtz Kassad, you know who makes science videos and they are able to through the contributions of patrons and sponsors. They are able to run a full-fledged content channel and put some information into the world that's really useful. Another thing that we do, and and I've been mentioning this in a lot of the interviews lately because I think I think it's important for people to understand the way that we use the platform, is we take we allocate a budget of ten percent of our Patreon earnings to give to other creators. Like that's we, pretty badass. Well, we support right now over a dozen creators on patreon now it's through a small contribution 
But the way we look at it is we've been fortunate enough to have this support. We want to spread it around a little bit. And if other creators kind of abandon this scarcity mentality and start thinking of it as like, hey, man, the playing field is level now. The, the gatekeepers and the button pushers of oh, the, yeah. the entertainment industry <laughs> oh, yeah. are losing their grip <laughs> on, on media. Yeah. And so we're in this advantageous position where we can we can help the art that we really like that you know you see that you see that band or you see that artist or you hear that podcast that you're like man if these guys could just get a little juice they could the sky's the limit for them they could take over the world well there's a uh you know you mentioned the, the the patreon thing um John and I are big wrestling fans, and this mm-hmm. Conrad Thompson guy has come out of nowhere with Patreon, and uh, former WCW uh, play-by-play guy Tony Schiavone, he has so many patrons and makes so much money off this, he literally has like a part-time job just doing Patreon. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so it's amazing how, like you said, you get away from all these you know, gatekeepers and these assholes who have realized that uh, they they don't have to, you don't have to count out of these people anymore. No, you don't. And as a band like us, we are used to having a, like, we are used to being nobody. We are used to languishing <laughs> in obscurity. So for us, it's like this gives us an ability to say, you know what, we went so long without a label and had to do everything ourselves. We're used to having to do everything ourselves. We're used to having to promote ourselves. And what I like about Patreon is it has made it so that we can we can continue that tradition of, of self-sustaining, self-support, and have a little bit of money to make it work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of the labels, like any label or agent or publicist worth their salt isn't going to want anything to do with you until you've already established a track record so what patreon allows you to do is it allows you to have the fuel to to build your enterprise up to its next level and and hopefully um, get you to develop your craft and to develop your your material such that the bigger dogs might take an interest in it, you know, and you you can create and maximize your opportunity that way. Um, which, you know, I mean, even if, even if this is as good as it gets, we're pretty thrilled by what we're able to do just off of a couple dozen people, you know, a few dozen people helping us out. It's really cool. Fantastic. John, what, what do you make of all this? The fact that they're basically doing everything on their own, they don't have to really worry about any of the gatekeepers, any of the assholes. Well, to be honest, I, I'm pretty impressed just listening to the whole thing because, I mean, how many bands do you know that really have their, pardon the language here, shit together like they do? <laughs> well, they do. I mean, they're... Well, a lot of it is, is, is the result of hyperactivity. I, I mean, I have, to, <laughs> I have to admit to that. Like, I, I cannot sit still. You know, and and my wife will back me up on that. I have a lot of trouble. I get I get cabin fever very easily, and it's it's important for me to stay busy. And um, you know, so I lock I. 
if I had to just depend on on writing songs and making albums and playing shows, I would be bored to tears because we only play a show <laughs> once every couple months. Yeah. And we only put an album out once every couple of years at best, you know, and we have rehearsal once a week. But, you know, I mean, really, a lot of that is 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 just showing up and doing the work. So having these extra elements to kind of to kind of give us something to do as well as something for the fans to sink their teeth into. It's a win win proposition as far as I'm concerned, because I get to I get to stay engaged in my hobbies and uh, the people who are interested in the stuff that my bandmates and I create, um, you know, they get they get extra shit. And <laughs> the, 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 the response has been, um, you know, overwhelmingly positive. Um, I'm sure there are critics out there, but we really haven't heard a lot of criticism. We really haven't heard a lot of uh, uh we, we haven't really there was a there was a kind of a meme that was out going around a couple of years ago when Patreon first started really emerging into the into the popular consciousness where bands were being criticized for using crowdfunding platforms. Yes. And I think a lot of it's I think a lot of it started with a legion trying to use Patreon and the way they went about it, about it kind of rubbed people the wrong way, even though they were just trying to be funny. And I personally think that they got railroaded a little bit from it. Um, but there's this, there's this meme in the music business of just like bootstrapping and, and, and that there's something gross or, um, there, there's something in, out of integrity with being the starving artist if you run, run your band this way. And, um, and fortunately we haven't heard a lot of a lot of that blowback from the music world, probably number one, because nobody knows who we are and they don't care. And number two, <laughs> and number two, and number at, two, at least you're honest. Well, and, and number two, because I think that we do it in a way that is, uh, where we really are being of service to people and we're not trying, we're not trying to get rich. We're just trying to create the resources to be able to keep making stuff to be able to create stuff. And as someone who's also a patron, it's really satisfying for me to watch a new Wisecrack video or to see something at Cabal Gallery or <laughs> to see something on Kurtz Cassad or see something on Storytellers or or see another one, uh, see the Itch.io uh, marching band be able to start doing live streaming on, on their channel partially because of the money that I have invested in them. You know, that's very deeply satisfying to me. And um, so I hope that we are, we are kind of in a small way, avatars and exemplars of how the platform can, can really work and can be used in a, in an ethical and uh, integrous manner. I don't know if integrous is a word, but we'll just say it is. Right. It sounds good. Of this it conversation. sounds good, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds good. This is uh, this is fantastic. Uh, before we let you go, how do people get a hold of you guys? Patreon, everything. How, how, how do we get involved with you guys? So so the, 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 the one-stop shop, to be able to find everything we're up to is to go to our website, which is mfruckus.com. 
um, that will have links to our podcast. It'll have links to our YouTube channel, to all our merch, to our Patreon. Uh, there's a link on there. If you go to mfruckus.com slash F-L-O-G-T, which is short for Frontlines of Good Times, you can read <laughs> uh, both chapters of our comic book for free. Um, there's PDF versions of the comic book available on there. Uh, you can see the first chapter illustrated by Joshua Finley and the second chapter illustrated by Jake Fairley, which, by the way, Joshua Finley is from Kansas. I believe uh, he's a he's a uh, uh, he was raised German Mennonite. So he grew up. He grew oh, up Jesus. out there in, in, in Kansas, uh, out in the farmland. Oh, boy. But, uh, but yeah. So you well, can, well, you can we'll find have to have everything. him on sometime. And, uh... Oh, he's brilliant. <laughs> if, if you've never seen Joshua Finley's stuff, he is absolutely brilliant. He's the, he's the pride of Kansas, for sure. Um, uh, Gordon Leadfoot from uh, Granny Tweed, which is Joshua Finley's band, yes. actually produces our podcast. And they're from, uh, they're from Kansas. And wow. uh, started out there, so they're they're all heroes of the Kansas scene. The, the uh, Josh, I mean, the, the Dwayne brothers, and Loco Machine yeah. for a while. So, well, um, you know, you know what's funny is I think I think I've heard of that, uh, that Granny Tweed. I think that's yeah. another name that may may have come through Salina or Wichita or something that we interviewed. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. They, uh, it's 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 like a Jiggy Jag TV reunion show today. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so mfruckus.com, that's our, that's our website. We're on Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and, uh, we're going to be starting, we're going to be starting a new SoundCloud project soon, um, which is going to be, we're going to use SoundCloud right now. It's got some, some songs on it and some early podcasts, but we're going to be doing a whole transformation on our SoundCloud and calling it Seeds and Stems. And it's going to be all That's awesome. it's going to be all demos and um, all stems from our recordings that that people can use however they want. So um, that's coming here soon. Uh, the front lines of good times. Chapter two is out in print um, and the motion comic will be out next month. And our new album, the front lines of good times, volume one will be out on Rodeo Star Records probably by the end of the summer, early fall, if I were to guess. And we're going to have a big release party. Um, to, to celebrate that. And we've got, we've got some plans for a big production at the Oriental Theater here in Denver, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Wow. Well, good stuff. Well, I appreciate you making time, and uh, me and John have had a blast talking to you. And we, uh, I've had a blast talking to you guys. Thank you so much. We, we, we all, we'll have to, if you're ever in Denver, we'll have you on our podcast. Oh, you know, I, uh, I, I, wished I, I wish we would have been able to do this last year when we were out there for Exotica. Because uh, that would have been a blast. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, this year, Exotica decided that they didn't want to go back to Denver. They're going to go, of all places, Portland, Oregon. Yes, Portland, Oregon, home of the other white meat. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why they're in Portland, but uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, Portland is but, fun. but Colorado seems to be so much funner. You, yeah, yeah, you no, guys. Uh, there's I'm a, partial. There's, there's I'm a, partial because I live here. <laughs> there's a buddy of mine who does MMA out in um in in the Denver area. Shannon Sin. Uh, my buddy Ross lives up there in Colorado Springs. Hey, that, that, yes, indeed. Sling uh, champion from Kansas. Yeah, if you go to the Buffalo oh, Wild Wings wow. up there, go yeah, see him. <laughs> yes. He's <laughs> working at the B-dubs up there. He's cool, what, what is he, like a district manager or something? He's like a no, big he's deal. he's a bartender. Oh, he's just a bartender. He makes oh, hell okay. good money, but I mean. <laughs> it's good money. Oh, there you go. Right I can't there. get away from it. I can't get away from it to say no, he's able to get 
tickets for the Nug- Nuggets Game 7, no problem. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. We will be in touch. Yeah, thanks for talking, guys. I appreciate you. Definitely, man. Have yourself a wonderful day. There yeah, he goes, uh, Aaron Howell on the old Skip Skype okay, machine. Okay, I got to tell you, out of all the musical acts you've ever had on, this guy was by far one of the most interesting, and he was a guy you didn't have to lead around like a sheep to get him to talk. <laughs> like other guys, you're like, awesome. so, hey, do you have any, you know, online thing to get you? Well, um, uh, so, hey, what's what have you guys been doing? Well, um, uh, this guy was just like, da 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 Probably yeah. one of the better, well-versed guys you've ever had on he that was, I've seen. He was, he was ready to go. Oh, yeah. So. He had, like I said, they had their shit together. <laughs> Unlike the New Era podcast. I didn't forget about you yeah. bastards. <laughs> Fantastic. We so are... For all you haters like that, Jiggy is 1-0-1, okay? <laughs> go screw yourself if you think you lost both of them because you're an idiot. <laughs> Especially on that first fight. Holy moly, how do you knock a guy down three times and lose the fight? You don't. <laughs> well, they, they, they're they big. Well, I understand that actually they don't count, but still, it's like, it's like you got to be like, they probably identify themselves as boxing or MMA judges, you know, not knowing anything about it. And I'm not saying I'm the best, but I mean... You know, even Stevie Wonder could see that you pretty much dominated that first one. It's like, how the hell do you get a loss out of that? Um, it, it's just the way it is. That's kind of like saying, you know, that, you know, there was there was no rigging of the Democratic, you know, National Convention for their nomination. Wow, gosh. Oh, we, we are, we are going to have an interesting conversation a little bit later on about uh, gun control with a guy by the name of Dan Wooves. Is that the guy you were talking and, uh, to earlier to reschedule? Yes. We're going to have him in the second hour. It'll, it'll be fun. If he does, ask him about Venezuela and how that worked for them. <laughs> We're going to take a quick time out. And we the come Polish back. people in World War II. We are going to try to get a hold of Cassie Stevens. And uh, hopefully she's got her shit together. And we'll be back here in a few. When you wanted the best long distance rates, you dialed 10123 in the number. Then it changed to 101223. Now you can still get the lowest long distance rates. Just dial 1110-1210-830-5264123 and pay a low six cents a minute as easy as 123. Dial 1110-1210-830-5264123 between 830 and 10.52, four days a week for your savings prize. You'll feel like you've won one two on 1110-1210-830-5264123. 10 to 1, your sixth cents says six cents for two minutes will have you at sixes and sevens when you call one number 1110-1210. 8-30-52-6-4-1-2-3-2. Got it? Long distance dialing has never been easier. To sign up for 1110-1210-8-30-52-6-4-1-2-3, call for your eight-digit PIN number and activation code. What I really like about the movies, I like the previews for some reason. I like to get there. I don't want to see just the movie when I get there. I like to see some previews first. I like that guy with that deep voice, like smoke like ten packs of cigarettes. One man, one way. <laughs> one desire. They went too far. They broke all the rules. One man, Kermit the Frog, as a pimp. Where's my money? Where is it? One man. One way. What a weird voice. That's the only thing that guy could do for a living, you know? He couldn't be a mechanic or anything. 
Hey, uh, how much is that transmission gonna cost me? An arm and a leg. Just imagine having sex with somebody. That'd be hilarious, you know? Oh, yeah, the desire in your eyes. The passion between us burns with fire. You know, I, he always can take something stupid and make it cool. Can he? He'll always be like... In the city, you must fight to survive. He sold tortillas on the corner. And the mob wanted in. I don't know who this... The biggest group of the early 90s is back together and on tour. It's the four non-blondes reunion tour. performing their extensive catalog of hits, like this one. And this classic. As well as this utterly, completely different song. Get your tickets now for the Four Non-Blondes reunion tour with special guest, the other guy from Milli Vanilli. to the Jiggy Jaguar radio show on the network. Okay, we are back. Live as live can get here on our big program. And uh, it's always an interesting day. We have uh, we have actually really good phone guests today as opposed to sometimes when we don't. <laughs> as, as, We, 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 we've been a band for two weeks. We, we, we don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's usually what happens here. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we go to the telephones, and uh, we have our next guest on the line. Uh, go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. Tell us a little about yourself. Hey, uh, my name is Casey Steffen. I'm a singer-songwriter in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I play with a band called The Midnight Sun, and, you know, just releasing music, telling telling my viewpoint on things, kind of thing. So, you know, we play pop, soul, rock, blues. It's just fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, how do people find you online, social media, all these various things? Uh, it's all under my name, Casey Stephan, which is spelled weird. It's C-A-S-I-I, and then Stephan, S-T-E-P-H-A-N. Hmm, fantastic. Now, yeah. um, so, how'd you get started doing this music thing? Um, I grew up in a musical family. My mom plays piano, my aunt sings, my grandfather played horn and wrote poetry and songs. So it was kind of just like, well, you can carry a tune, so you're going to go down this route a little bit. <laughs> you can um, carry a tune, so you're in. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then a family friend around 16, he was like, I think you can write your own songs. And I was like, I don't know. I think I've tried before and it didn't work out so great. Um, but I kind of just sat down and I was like, well, I'll actually give it like one other shot. And I liked what I did as opposed to the first time around. So I yeah. kept doing it. Well, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so this, this whole music thing, yeah. uh, how far do you think that this can go for you? What, what? I don't know. I think that's part of you know, just part of why you keep doing it is you're just trying to figure out how far you can go, right? How far <laughs> can you go before maybe things plateau? I mean, 
I think that's just what everybody does. You're just you're trying it, giving it a shot, seeing what can happen. We have got a, a great guest with us today. Cassie Steffen joins us. And uh, how how many how many people call you Cassie Stephen? <laughs> they... It's quite frequent. It's a quite frequent thing. It's... I get I get used to it on some level, but Cause, yeah, it happens. Yeah, because I was I was I was looking at the uh, at the email here from from your PR people, and I'm like, yeah, oh, that's and then when we had John, I'm like, eh, I'm gonna have you do the name first because I know I'm gonna butcher it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. I've gotten, I've gotten it mispronounced to Lacey to, um, I've gotten it misspelled like Castle. It's, it's had so many different iterations. Castle? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it, it goes crazy sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what, what are some of your musical heroes and inspiration and people like that? Yeah, I'm, kind of cheesy like for the first big vocalist that I just hooked on to was Celine Dion um so I go I go a little I I think she's a, still one of the best vocalists ever um but I mean White Stripes was obvious was a really big influence for me um getting into like the idea of rock and roll and singing more from emotion than perfectionism um huge fan of Jack White um and then you know consequently getting into like black keys and um food fighters and stuff like that so i'm just kind of a mixture hmm. we have got a uh, great guest with us today she joins us live here in our broadcast uh tell us about letters we're going to play that here in a few oh thank you thank you for playing it um letters is a song i wrote after just having a series of me and my my girlfriend like we were just having this series of trying to do online dating work that see how that could work and it was just like you hit wall after wall after wall and communication just kind of goes downhill and you get frustrated and so that's where letters came from we have got a uh, great guest with us today and we are gonna put her on hold we're gonna play this tune and we will be right back here on our I big just rock. keep writing letters trying to see what you Time. 
Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, that was quite the uh, quite the tune there. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Holy crap. Well, what'd you think about that, John? That, that was, was impressive. I'm like reading part of your website here and I can see where they get the um, association. You do like the Fiona Apple kind of sound to it, but with more energy yeah. where hers is a little bit more laid back. You've got more of a yeah. energy to it. Just quick question. What what brought you to Tulsa from St. Paul, Minnesota? Uh, it was actually a joke. Um, my cousins live in Tulsa, and they were thinking that they could get me married in six months. <laughs> and I that's was like, I don't think that's going to happen, but I'll be going for a change of life just for the heck of it, you know. So that's that's how it started. Yeah, good enough. I just didn't know. I was just <laughs> seeing that, and I was like, okay, that, that one kind of threw me off there, but... Yeah, I, yeah, especially because, I mean, Twin Cities has a, such a great music scene. Um, but I honestly, when I moved to Tulsa, I wasn't expecting to do music. It wasn't something I was planning on at all. Actually, I thought music was kind of done. So to get to Tulsa and then discover the scene that was there and the people that were there, it was it was like this a renewal kind of thing. So. Okay, yeah. so... Another stupid question about Tulsa here. Have yeah. you have you gone to every restaurant that's on Seventy First Street? No, I, I tend to I tend to stay in Midtown, Cherry Street, Brookside, and, and yeah. downtown. You know Seventy First? Oh yeah, I sit there. I worked I worked for a company. I'd go down there and train, and went seeing that Seventy First Street. And Tulsa has every restaurant known to man on it. <laughs> seriously, dude. That's awesome. It seriously does. <laughs> it does. It's traffic nightmare some days oh god yeah yeah oh yeah no i kind of try, try to stay away from that as much as possible just because of the traffic it's yeah mm. it's not good that's fantastic yeah you've got interesting little tidbits <laughs> i can throw out there yeah, yeah. that's crazy i can't believe that <laughs> so uh talk to me about your social media what what what's that like for you be, being a singer because we, we had a uh we had a band on earlier, and they were talking about how they're doing things on Patreon. They're doing this. They're doing that. What What the heck is your social media like? Just being in the genre that you're in. Yeah, I just right now I'm just focused on building an audience. I don't have Patreon right now. Um, I think it's just like Instagram, Facebook, you know, um, YouTube. Just trying to really build an audience and find the people that really vibe with what I'm with what I'm doing. That's just my goal. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, I guess before we let you go, what, what, what do you have coming up that uh, people can um, be involved in or see you live or what have you? Yeah. We've got some shows in Tulsa. We're going to be planning a Texas uh, tour run through June um, and just kind of setting out. We kind of had our goals for the first six months, got to do South by, and so now we're kind of setting out our goals for the next six months. And, and um, Texas is definitely on there. We've got... Uh, festival in september in nebraska we're going to be going to so yeah some fun stuff awesome awesome well keep us updated on everything you're doing and uh i appreciate you making time for us today oh my gosh thank you guys so much for having me on and playing this song i really appreciate it definitely thank you have yourself a wonderful day you too thank you much thank there you. she goes and uh we are going to go to our next guest here in just a second uh this is this is quite the deal. We we go we go from <laughs> today's show is so crazy. I guess it's because John's here, and I always and I always try to do all the crazy fun stuff when he's here. 
But uh, we are now going to go to the mystery box, people. Mystery box. Out there in... And I believe we have our mystery box friends. Uh, we are going to try to get everything set up here on the old, uh, on the old skip Skype, as they say. And uh, while we do that, uh, we'll do a little bit of, I guess, house cleaning here. Uh, get a hold of us online, jiggyjagwire.com. Download the app. Also, uh, find us in both the app stores, iPod and Google Play. I always say iPod. And the other day, someone's like, iPods? I remember when I had an iPod way back in the day. So I'm I'm, I'm glad to know that I, uh, at least, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not totally uncool when it comes to these things. Oh, what, I'm, is, your, what I'm, is your Pornhub thing? I'm on Pornhub, too. We're on Pornhub because we, we have to put our, uh, sometimes our, our interviews that we do with adult film stars out in uh, Las Vegas. I'd believe that. And then when we go to... Uh, as Tom Likas likes to call it, Porkland, home of the other white meat, um, for Exotica. Uh, YouTube doesn't like the fact that we talk to porn stars, so uh, we have to put them on uh, Pornhub. But uh, we have got uh, two great guests with us today. They join us live here on the old skype rooney uh, From vanilla to kinky, queer to straight, and everything in between, of course we're talking about A Night at the Mystery Box Show. Uh, brings you tales of one-night stands, explorations into fetish, awkward first times, dark fantasies come true. This sounds like uh, a hell a hell of a time. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys, and talk to us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, well, hi, thank you for having us. Um, I'm Reba Sparrow. I'm the executive producer, story coach, and one of the hosts for the Mystery Box Show alongside Eric. And I'm Eric. I'm also a producer and story coach and host for the show. Thanks for having us. You guys are uh, are pretty interesting. I noticed when uh, Exotica sent out a, a press release or whatever that you guys were going to be making an appearance, uh, I immediately had to get you guys on the show here. Uh, and then we we're definitely going to have to talk to you guys when we're out there for Exotica here uh, in, in June. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the Mystery Box show and, and how this works. Well, uh, we're a storytelling show, first and foremost. Uh, some folks are familiar with shows like The Moth or maybe Risk, where um, it sort of those are sort of the mainstream uh, storytelling shows that are on the radio. Um, there are podcasts as well, um, and it's just it's it's real people telling true stories from their lives. It's just with our show, it's it's live on stage. It's not it's not a podcast, and our storytellers are telling stories all about sex and sexuality. Um, and you guys have a little bit of everything in these shows. You've got best-selling authors. You've got nationally touring comedians, adult film industry professionals. You've got all sorts of things. Definitely. And we also just have your everyday average person who has some sort of relationship to sex, even if that relationship is no relationship with sex. Everyone has a story around that. And so we just we love to hear from the whole gamut of people amazing that's pretty cool now if if uh you want to get a hold of these guys online you can check out mysteryboxshow.com also they're on uh twitter facebook instagram of course 
and uh, they join us live today here on Skype. And uh, so, talk to me about what you guys are going to be doing at Exotica. Yeah, we're excited. This is our first year at Exotica, um, and I guess it's Exotica's first time in Portland. Yes, so, uh, yes. I I am still trying to figure out why the hell they're going to Portland. Somebody told me it's because Portland supposedly has the largest of, uh, collection of strip clubs all in one spot. <laughs> we're known for that. Uh, yeah, that, I think it's the highest number of strip clubs <laughs> per capita. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of strip clubs around here. I think there's a very popular vegan strip club that a lot of people a enjoy. vegan strip club. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> God boy. Um, yeah, and... All- I mean, we have a huge awesome. sex-positive community here. Even though Portland isn't a huge, huge city, uh, the sex-positive community here is quite large within that. So I think it's a perfect match for for Exotica. It makes it makes sense to us. Yeah, and and while we're there, we're at Exotica. We're going to be doing uh, two sort of we're calling them teaser shows. So our normal show is about two and a half hours long. At Exotica, we have about 45 minutes on Friday and 45 minutes on Sunday to showcase some of the performers from Exotica telling true stories about their sex lives. Um, that might be sort of the sort of stuff that uh, even fans of theirs haven't heard before, and we're kind of we're looking forward to developing that with them. So, do you line up the the people that you're going to have on stage, or does Exotica do that? How does this work? Um, Exotic has been great working with us to uh, to help procure some people, and we've been reaching out to people on our own. Um, but the the main thing is whether we reach them through Exotica or ourselves. Uh, we also work with the storytellers over the course of a couple of weeks to develop the stories. So it's not just booking a person and hoping they say something interesting on stage. We work with them to develop the story so that it has the highest impact emotionally that it can. So can you tell us some of the people that you've got lined up, or is that like a top-secret thing? Um, We have one specific person who we can announce, and some others we're sort of holding back for. Hey, that's fine. I just... I, I didn't know how this all worked, if if, if you couldn't yeah, announce uh, and plug, or, or how this worked. No, we're happy to plug. I'm, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you're already familiar with Tayomi. Yes, um, yes. Oh, yeah. oh yes. <laughs> Exotica already. She's fantastic. Yeah, she was on the show last year Yeah, she was on the show last year, last year promoting the appearance when, when, they, went to, uh, when they went to Denver. She yeah. the Glamazon or something like yes, that or whatever. Yes, Tayomi's fantastic. That, that's, yeah, super yeah. nice lady. Uh, so we're developing a story with her and um, and a couple others that will be announced soon. Well, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that, that you go through and, and you help these folks develop their stories and everything. And, and you're like, we work with people. And the minute that they said that, I'm like, well, they're not doing this with Evan Stone. <laughs> because trying to keep him organized <laughs> is not a, uh, a, a simple task. I've... <laughs> I've been around Evan for a little bit. I've interviewed the guy. We've had him on the show at least once or twice. Trying to keep that guy organized because his brain fires, you know, 95 95 million, you know, beats per minute or whatever. Uh, He did a seminar at Exotica last year, and he's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here, so I'm just going to talk for an hour. (laughs) So he just kind of bullshitted for an hour, and then he was done. So... I think that's cool that you guys work with the people to develop their stories, though. I think that's a cool idea. You know, we um, I have a, a theater arts background, both on stage and backstage and directing. And um, Eric has a, a background in animation, um, 
in managing people. So we sort of run a tight ship as far as that's concerned to sort of set up the expectations of how we need things to be and that we need to be taken seriously. Um, Cause that is a challenge we come across. People say, Oh, how fun. I just get to get up on stage and talk about sex for a while. And that's <laughs> not exactly what it is. We want to, you know, maintain a, a certain aesthetic. Um, it's also very easy to be crude and offensive and oh, you better believe it, <laughs> you know, all of those things. And we want to be as inclusive as possible. So sort of setting up those guidelines to how to do that, to make their stories universal and uh, in a way that they can really connect with every person in the audience in one way or another um, is, is what our, our job is and what we try to achieve during those coaching sessions and working with them. That's fantastic. Now, uh, you, you guys have had all sorts of different people in, involved in this, sex toy ep- experts, members from the kink community, pretty much everybody from all walks of life uh, how have you been able to, to pull this off? Because this, this is a pretty cool accomplishment. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I think, um, I'm not sure I know entirely how we've been able to pull it off, but I, I think what it is is, like Reba was saying, finding the humanity in the stories. Um, people who come to us are really interested in connecting with other people through their stories um, so that, you know, even... Here, here's some, here's some uh, an example. Um, a couple of years ago, we got to work with uh, uh, Paul Thomas. I don't know if you know uh, oh, Paul yeah. Thomas, porn oh. legend. Um, and when he came to us, he he said, "Listen, I could tell you a story about about being with Ginger Lynn or what it was like to shoot any one of the hundreds of porn film, films that I've shot or people I've slept with, but I'd rather talk about stuff that's more personal to me." And I tell you, like that hit us right in our hearts because that's everything we've always aimed for, even with people who aren't celebrities. Because when you're an audience member, it might be fun for a little bit to listen to, say, a porn star talk about the kind of crazy sex that they've had. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I'm not relating to it as a listener, oh, then it's really, yeah, it, it, no it, it sort of like evaporates. So I think that's why we've been able to keep going and find all different people from all walks of life. Because at the at the base level, sex connect, connects us emotionally in the same way. Whether you're a porn star, a celebrity, or somebody that you know just checks your groceries at the store. <laughs> and I'll say on the that's administrative awesome. end of that, if you want specifics, I don't know if that's what you were asking too. It's a lot of emailing and a lot of following up. Yes, it's a lot of. Hey, remember us? You know, a year later, and you know, <laughs> yes. that's my forte. That's Eric, um, who's just diligent about following up with people and saying, "Hey, we're still interested. Hey, we're still interested. Hey, how about now?" So it's not <laughs> as easy as just calling up somebody and saying, "We do our show," and them saying yes. So yes. Uh, sometimes it is, and that's amazing. But it is a lot of uh, follow and and not giving up on people. So when when you got the uh, got the information that Exotica was coming coming to that area, uh, what happens? Do you guys jump into action and get a hold of Exotica? Did they reach out to you? How does? Because it, I'm sure, just from what you're saying, it took a lot of time and effort to put this show together. Even though, you know, June eighth is is coming up pretty fast here. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, um, so Exotica reached out to us. Um, I I don't know. Do you know how that happened, Eric? Did yeah, they... yeah. Well, I think what happened was, like we were saying, it's their first year in Portland, so they really wanted to know the community and who's here and interested in sex and who are the people who are already connecting to people, uh, connecting to the city in a sexual way. And they found us and said, here's this show that looks like they have a pretty, pretty big following that likes sex. So it would be good for us to be in league with them. So they reached out to us and said, hey, we like what you do. Would you mind uh, bringing that to Exotica? And we were flattered. Um, and we're excited about the possibility, but that's uh, that's kind of how the connection started. That's cool. Now, uh, if you want to get more information, check out mysteryboxshow.com. Now, I noticed in your uh, the the emails we exchanged back and forth, you guys are having a, a dinner party Saturday, May fourth. Take me through this. What is this like? Is this basically the mystery box? Only we're, we're serving food. Um, Thanks for asking. That's sort of my pet project that's been going on since last fall. Um, So every we call it the Mystery Box Social uh, Dinner Party, and what we do, uh, we host a dinner party in our home. We can accommodate 16 people who have purchased tickets, and we have a movie screen and a projector in the house. We invite two past storytellers um, who, you know, we've coordinated that. Maybe their stories go well together or play off of each other. Um, And we show those stories with those storytellers present. Um, I serve a a three-course meal complete with wine and cocktails and appetizers. And after each story, all the guests have the opportunity to talk to the storyteller about their experience, um, either their story specifically or um, the topic of their story. And honestly, it just sort of leads into an organic conversation from there. Um, but we just, yeah, we just had ours uh, the last one last night. Um, and it's it's always an amazing success. Um, we have folks who our regulars at the Mystery Box Show come to these dinner parties, and we have folks who've never even been to a Mystery Box Show who just found this, you know, cool date night online. Um, and then once they're here, they, you know, get invested and meet new people and, and then become audience members and sometimes become storytellers with us. And um, it's really cool to be able to connect to people on this, on this intimate level. Um, last night we had some really really interesting topics of conversation come up. Yeah, the, the storytellers we had um, had shared stories about uh, being involved with orgasmic meditation. <laughs> and uh, we also had a, a, a woman who's a dear friend of ours named Leland Karina. She's actually Miss Oregon State Leather 2019. Um, Look at that. It's, yeah, it's like you had royalty there. A dyke daddy uh, and having a dyke daddy. And that sparked amazing conversation among That's people. awesome. <laughs> So who who are some of the folks that um, you have been able to get to do Mystery Box that you never thought you'd be able to get or, you know, kind of your dream people that you would like to have in something like this? I'd say the, the big names that, that we never thought we'd have but did. Um, I'd say Dan Savage. That's did awesome. Our- Two years ago, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a yeah. pretty big. That's a pretty big, big name. name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Janet Hardy, one yeah. of the the ethical slut. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Thomas for sure. We've been a big fan of Paul <laughs> Thomas. That's amazing. porn, but you know, on Broadway and from Jesus Christ Superstar, Eric and I are both big fans of his. 
Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, we had Dirty Lola. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a sex educator from New York. I believe uh, I met her this year just in passing at the Adult Entertainment Expo, and I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So She's delightful. I think she's about to have a TV show coming out soon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, working with her was wonderful. Yeah, we've been, we've been really blessed in some of the people that have... Uh, uh, oh, we when we did our show in San Francisco, Carol Queen shared a story with us. Uh, wow. Legendary Carol Queen. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. You, you, you've had some... Uh some big names come through there very blessed that's awesome now uh they're also on instagram uh go check them out over on instagram they have all sorts of different things going on over there little video clips and uh photos all sorts of different things so what do you guys um what 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 does it take as as far as like a couple days before getting a show together and especially since you're doing like these little preview shows at exotica where you're all, where your time limit is very thin uh what what has that been like um well thanks for asking uh it's pretty it's gonna be pretty tight for us in june because we have exotica the eighth ninth and is it the eighth seventh eighth and ninth yeah but also the eighth is our main stage show at the Alberta Rose Theater. So we're doing a full show in the middle of Exotica, outside of Exotica. So <laughs> so three shows in a row. Um, and you know, leading up leading up to our main stage show, we're I'm lucky enough that this is my full time job. Yeah. Um, it's it's a full time job for Eric too, but he has an additional job. Uh, so we do get to dedicate a lot of time to it. And just like any theater production, we have production week the week before the show, and basically twenty four hours a day for seven days is is preparation for that. And that's uh, meeting with sponsors, and um, so we also have really cool sponsors, and we do uh, giveaways and gifts for our storytellers and things like that that we coordinate. That's um, cool. But also, yeah, um, having a, a final rehearsal. So something like Exotica, that's a little um, astray uh, from what we normally do. So uh, it'll be a lot of coaching over Skype and potentially meeting folks who are performing for the very first time right as they're performing, <laughs> um, which is oh, fine. I'm sure that's nerve-wracking. But- uh, it, a little bit. It, it is, you know, because one of one of our goals is to build community. We love to have the storytellers meet each other beforehand and hear each other's stories and um, to feel connected on that level. I think it creates a stronger show and more confident storytellers. Um, but you know, we we're up for adventure, so <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, awesome. it's not our best rodeo, so we've been doing this for seven years, and I think that's definitely a benefit. Yes, I did notice that going through your Instagram earlier. You guys have been around for seven years, so that's that's quite the accomplishment. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. If, if, if I can also uh, plug this, thank you for mentioning all our Instagram and uh, Facebook. We also have oh, a yeah. YouTube channel where if people want to see the stories that have been told, so many of the stories are up there, hundreds of them. Um, if, if our storytellers allow the stories to be made public, we share them with the world. Um, and only in rare circumstances do people want to keep them private. So there's plenty to uh, keep entertained there. Yeah, because I, I would think once they've shared them in front of, in front of your audience, it's like, really? You, 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 you don't want this shared out publicly, but yet you did it on our stage in front of everybody. <laughs> 
that's kind of a weird deal. But I, but I understand where, where, where people would, would have that. So. Yeah, some folks want to keep it private from their families who yeah. they did not invite yeah. to the live show, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we also have um, a Patreon account that we launched. Look at recently. that! Another we we had a we had a uh, comic book uh, band, uh, all sorts of different in- entertainment things earlier talking about Patreon. I think that's awesome. You guys are doing Patreon as well. Yeah, I think it's becoming a very popular platform for creators, and uh, it's it's we've loved being able to connect with our audience through that too. Fantastic. Now. Um, if people wanna wanna, what, what, what do you guys have as far as your Patreon? What, what what do you do as far as your perks or all that? Yeah, so um, this is actually fun. We haven't talked about this yet, but at our live show, and we'll also be doing this at Exotica, we have these uh, things we call confession cards. They're little audience prompts, kind of on an index card, where we ask the audience to share tiny uh, miniature stories with us that we then read from stage. Uh, they're always prompted by a thing like you know. What sort of thing uh, around your household have you uh, used for sex that wasn't meant for sex? Or uh, tell us about a time. <laughs> That's that, uh, awesome. <laughs> tell us about a time that you got injured during sex. <laughs> people have all kinds of stories that we would have never guessed at. So we read those live from stage. But uh, for people who don't get to come to the live show, that's one of our Patreon perks: is we share those with our with our Patreon supporters. And the ones that don't get read from stage, those get read on, or those get. Uh, photographed for patreon as well yeah uh, we also do live videos with mm-hmm. um story coaching tips and telling up upcoming information and we're just about to launch a new patreon patreon level that will allow people to see our videos uh before they're officially released to the public wow. um, so kind of like an early access sort of thing mm-hmm. and and uh eric and i always tell a story at the show as well and those never go public um so those will be patreon perks as well that's cool that's really cool now john listening to all this what 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 do you make of all this i think this is the coolest idea i think exotica hit a home run getting a hold of these folks oh yeah yeah. john what are your thoughts i've just been interested as heck i mean this is the first time in jiggy's history where he's had like three really super interesting people in a row like the first guy then we had a gal that was from Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's a singer, and you guys are just, it's fun listening to you. It's not boring. I've been like, I know I've been playing on my phone a lot, but I mean, <laughs> I've been listening, so, but it's just, I mean, I'm pretty impressed with it. It's a different kind of, um, what's the word I'm trying to think, uh, oh, venue to be able to do things. Yeah. You know, it's something you wouldn't have thought of, but it's also creative, but it's not, it's not something you would sit there and hear and think like, God, that's stupid. You know, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. And this coming right, from yeah, a conservative yeah. Kansas person, you know, I'm kind of like, hell yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, so your social media activity, besides Patreon, uh, what, what kind of engagement and and situation do you have with all, all your, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everything? Well, I mean, with Facebook, we've been, we've really been able to engage with our fans there. Um of course, after every show, we have pictures that come out and people, you know, say what was their favorite moment from the show and uh, what they're looking forward to in the next show. Um, we also, we've been having a lot of uh, a great response every time we announce an upcoming event. We just, uh, we just announced that we're going to be marching at the Pride Parade here in Portland in June. And 
the response to that has been overwhelming. We're inviting our audience to come join us. Uh, 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 as, as much as is manageable. We had over 2,000 responses. Awesome. Which was mind-blowing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we, part, I mean, part, we try to use social media for um, engaging with the community and creating more community, I suppose. You know, we do a show every other month, and so we don't just want to be people who are saying who are using social media for marketing and just, hey, come to the show, hey, buy tickets, hey, buy tickets. We also, <laughs> you know, want to use it for, hey, we're going to the Hump Film Festival. Who wants to join us? Or, um, you know, promoting our, our, we have a tight, tight community with our alumni. So any, and we have a private Facebook group for once someone's been on our show, they're now a part of that group and um, they can, use it for networking or advertising what they're up to and we like to promote what they're doing as well whether it's related to sex or not um just cool people doing cool things in the community we want to keep that going so that's good yeah, stuff for couple, the benefit of couple of different questions here what made you guys get started into this and how hard was it to get started oh that's a great question um you know uh when we started off, we didn't have much experience doing a show like this. We were just looking for a show that we could go to. We figured there must already be one where people talk about sex. And when it turned out there wasn't, uh, we decided to start our own show. And the aesthetic behind it really came from the fact that Reba and I have been in sexualized situations, you know, places maybe, maybe similar to uh, AVN or Exotica, where the the sexual content might have made us feel a little excluded. Um, and we knew that we were interested in the topic, but we didn't want to feel like we weren't kinky enough or we weren't sexy yes. enough. Okay. Uh, and so that's, that's what's driven the aesthetic of our show is to, is to be a space where people can talk about all kinds of crazy stuff, but where nobody feels excluded. It's very inclusive. So, like you said at the top, whether you're kinky, whether you're vanilla, whether you're anywhere on the gender spectrum, nobody is uh, nobody is saying you're not welcome here. Nobody is nobody is gatekeeping. That's kind of cool. I like That's that. Awesome. That's awesome. We have got uh, two great guests with us today. They're going to be part of Exotica. They also have their their own show that they're going to be doing uh, outside of Exotica. Now, are are you going to network? Are you hoping to get people that are at exotica to go to the show is that gonna are you marketing with exotica to funnel people to the show how's how's that gonna work yeah it's it's mutual i mean exotica is using us to let portland know that exotica is going to be here and they're also letting us use their platform to say hey if you if you are interested in sex if you're interested in the kinds of stories that other people get up to we're here for that, even after Exotica leaves town. So we're definitely hoping to network not only with audience, but uh, hopefully meeting a lot of other performers who might want to come back to, to Portland to share their stories. That's awesome. That's awesome because I, I just, some of these conventions and some of these events, it's like once the convention is gone, they, they have this kind of attitude where they've made their money and they've done what they need to do. So they're moving on down the road. And uh, that's one thing that I, uh, I I like that that is happening there is that uh, Exotica is wanting people to, you know, 
They're wanting to get you guys to get the people out there for their show, and they're wanting to make people aware that you're actually there. So it's a win-win. I think that's awesome. Yeah, the folks at Exotica have been really awesome with us. We've been impressed with, um, it seems like they're interested, it seems like they're invested in people in general, and they're not just here for themselves, Yeah, which is, you know, the way we try to run things as well. So it's been a good match, and yeah, we highly recommend them. They're good people. Well, I'll tell you, working with those with those folks last year was just amazing because they they got me anything I needed before the show, and then at the show they listened to all my stupid dumb questions and they got me everything I I, I needed and wanted and more. So uh, it 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 is definitely a a, a good little organization. And uh, did you travel them to a bunch of different cities? They they do they travel all over the place. I I wish we could have. Uh, just jumped on the uh, on, on on the route, as they say, and just did the loop with them. But uh, it, they they go to they're they're going to be going to New Jersey for four days at the end of the year. They uh, they did Chicago fairly recently. They got this deal uh, up there with you guys. Um, so I I think that's pretty cool. And a lot of they did Denver last year, and now this year they're not going to do Denver because apparently either they didn't make any money or it didn't work. I don't know. And now they're going up there to Portland. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to meeting you. Because you're, you're coming to... Oh, uh, yeah. Portland, yeah, man, right? man, 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 uh, Britannia are, are going to be there. And maybe uh, maybe uh, pro wrestling superstar Kenny Zombie Jones might be joining us <laughs> in, in, in Portland. No. <laughs> God, God, no. no. <laughs> the human pixie stick. The human pixie stick, Kenny Zombie Jones. Uh <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you, uh, Kenny is a guy who, <laughs> if you want somebody to do do the mystery box, <laughs> this guy's got all sorts of stories when it comes to oh, sex, geez. wrestling, pro wrestling, uh, <laughs> the whole thing. We he can. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty scary what he'd do for a Klondike bar. I mean, you know. We have we have yet to have a sex and wrestling story, so oh. <laughs> it'd be a nice addition. Oh my god, he is. Uh, when I told him we were going to Exotica, I told him I said, "Well, I might be able to get you in," and he's like, "Oh, okay." And he goes, "Well, I'll just." He was like, well, "What are you going to do for hotels?" And I said, "Well, we're probably going to stay at the host hotel, which I think is like Holiday Inn or something." And uh, and, and he's like, oh, "Okay, well, I'll just sleep on the floor." If I can get into Exotica, I'll just sleep on the floor. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I guess so, different for him in the other place. Well, I mean, you that know. Too. That too. <laughs> oh, these, these these pro wrestlers, they they, they, they pack in like, like, like fucking cornwood in these hotels where you get one room and there's 50 people in the room. I'm like, what? What's this work? <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, so... Once this, uh, once Exotica's over with, what, what's the next event that you guys are going to be putting together? Or do you take like a month or so off to kind of decompose or decompress from the Exotica experience? <laughs> <I'm> decomposing. <laughs> yeah, we, we die and then we protect ourselves. <laughs> you got to hide the dead body somewhere. Right? <laughs> That's right. You got to. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, after Exotica, you know, our main stage show is right there in the middle and Usually a week after our main stage show is when we do our Mystery Box social dinner party. So um, after Exotica, the 20th, June 22nd will be our dinner party. 
Um, That's awesome. And then, yeah, we, we take a, it's not really taking a month or two off. I mean, we do a show every other month, but in yeah. between we are curating stories for, you know, several shows in advance because, uh, it would be amazing if the people who pitched, you know, we have five stories every show. It would be amazing if five people in a row fit together in a show, but we curate it in a way that the stories are very uh, different. So there's a nice flow and you're not hearing, you know, two dungeon themed stories or two, um, I don't know, virginity, virginity stories. stories or whatever it is in the same show. Uh, we like to keep a variety. So we're constantly coaching people. And we're constantly having meetings. And um, so, yeah, there isn't really I try to take like a week off, but it almost never happens because there's post-production work to be done. And Oh, uh, yes. The lovely world of post-production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Radio and television. Uh, you know, everybody always talks about, you know, oh, it must be so much fun. You and John getting up there and, and doing all the stuff that you do. And it's like at the it's like, yeah, it's fun. But then at the end, it's post-production time. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. The stuff that people see is the smallest part of the job. Yes. <laughs> if Jiggy's yeah, out there for Exotica, you got to get him on your show to tell you about the incident with the goat, the battery cables, motor oil and a feather duster. Uh. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, uh, what 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 is the weirdest, uh, you know, story that you thought was what what was gonna be fun, and then in the end you're like, wow, that was kind of a dud. <laughs> Have you had anything like that, or do you, you know, screen people were... enough to where you're you're not gonna have to worry about that? And every every presenter, every story is always a home run. I mean, I think we work with people enough that uh, we try to avoid anything being a dud on stage. I, I, I want to call out that you said, uh, you know, what's the weirdest story? Yeah. And I, I almost think... Uh, or is there one? <laughs> maybe, the way to think, maybe some of the more extreme stories, but weird is almost a judgment call that, uh, you know, it's, weird is relative. Well, that too, that too, and that's that's kind of why that that's kind of why halfway halfway to get to the rest of the question, I changed it. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah we, weird. Like uh, when we were at an AVN, uh, there there was a, a this little Japanese girl wandering around, and she was a cosplayer, and she was taking you know she had all these video game costumes, and she was taking photos of her and topless in her Mega Man costume or things like this. And I'm like, that's the weirdest damn thing. Well, what are you doing here at the board convention in, you know, cosplay? And then I'm thinking later, it's the board convention. Who cares? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like anything goes as long as, uh, you know, we have to work very hard not to, to make sure no one is actively offending an audience person. Well, yeah. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. So, and that's really about language and making sure that the storyteller is using I statements. You know, this happened to me, I feel this way, instead of yes. this happened and it was fucking weird and you should feel this way about it too. You know, we don't allow that on stage. <laughs> I think that's awesome. That's smart. I think that's fantastic. So, uh, have have you reached out besides uh, to, to, like, when some of the, when you heard... You mentioned Hayomi earlier. 
Uh, when 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 you when you seen some of the list of the people that were coming, did you reach out to those folks, or have have you already gotten different people in the pipeline that you knew you were just gonna have them set up and it wasn't gonna be that big of a deal? And your shows go on regardless of what the event is. No, well, I think I mean that's a great question. Like like we were saying, Exotic has been great in helping us reach out to people. Um, but yeah, we also went through the list of everybody that's there and trying to find people through either their their websites, their Twitter feeds, um, because everybody who's at Exotica, you know, they're they're working people. They well, that, they yeah, they have busy lives. So we want to make sure that we get people who are interested. And it is a time commitment with the coaching. Yes. So. Yeah, with the people we've found so far, there's one I'm really excited to talk about, and and we just can't confirm. Well, that's yet. fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're all people that we've reached out to through seeing the list of uh, who's going to be in Portland at Exotica. I think that's awesome. Well, uh, before we let you guys go, uh, run it down one more time. How do we uh, get a hold of you guys? How do we uh, get involved with the show? Everything. Yeah, mysteryboxshow.com. Uh, Yep, and we're on Instagram at uh, Mystery Box PDX, and you can find us on Facebook, uh, Mystery Box Show, mm-hmm. right? YouTube. Uh, oh yes, our YouTube channel—that's where you can find um, all of the videos. Uh, you can find us on Patreon if you just type in Mystery Box Show. Where else are we? We're yeah. everywhere. And hey, if you have a story to share, uh, the the email address is on our website. Pitch your story to us, and. Uh, that goes for you too, Jay. We're going to see you oh, here there Lord. in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, no, 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 nobody wants to hear any of my stories. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, my friends. I appreciate it, and I will be in touch, and we'll uh, get together with you guys at Exotica. Thank, thank you for you. your time. We're looking forward to meeting you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have yourself a wonderful day. You too. Thank you, guys. There they go. The mystery box cool show. Too. Yes. Uh, I'm kind of scared, Jiggy. You have like three really good guests. In a I row. know. This is the strangest thing Where you ever. You didn't have to lead them or anything. We didn't have to they lead just... anybody on. We didn't have to lead anybody in any direction. Oh yeah, it was, it was like, and it was so... all of them were interesting too. So. And, and they and they all know what the hell they're doing, which is good. So, it all works. So let's do this. Let's try to make it four in a row. Cool. As they say. We'll see if Dan is there. Maybe. Hello, this is Dan. There he is. Dan, how are you? It's uh, hey. James Lowe, John Moser. How are you, sir? James, how are you? I'm good, good. Uh, we uh, we just got done with our uh, <laughs> with our porn guests. So now we're going to go to our gun guests. That's your awesome. Your what guest? Your porn guests? We had porn guests on because... <laughs> it's uh, a Sunday tradition. It's that. a Sunday tradition. And, uh, and and now we're going to our gun guests, which, which is fantastic. All right, well, I and, just got one question. Can I, can I keep my clothes on? Is, is awesome? If you want to. I mean, you know, whatever. However you feel comfortable, sir. <laughs> I, I, I had a, uh, a, a publicity guy one time tell me, he's like, dress up, it's radio. So, uh, <laughs> so we, are, we are happy to have a uh, great guest with us today, nationally recognized Second Amendment advocate and spokesperson. He is the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical and Good Gun, Bad Guy 2, 
destroying the anti-gun narrative. And no, he wasn't going to name Good Gun, Bad Gun 2 Electric Boogaloo. He wasn't going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Dan with us today. Is it Dan Woos? Dan Wass. Dan Wass. Look at that. God, I, I, be, I, bet your, I bet your last name gets butchered constantly. Oh, it's only three letters and nobody can pronounce it. It's okay. You're not the only one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us about good gun, bad guy behind the lies of the anti-gun radical. Well, I, I think what happened was I, I, I wrote this, I wrote this article. Uh, I'll, I'll give you, I'll kind of bring you back to a little bit to the beginning. I was, I was uh, raised in a pro-gun family, so my dad took me hunting and target shooting and things like that. So I was familiar with guns when I was a kid. But uh, you know, he, he died when I was relatively young. I was in my twenties, and and he uh, and, and I started hanging with the wrong crowd, and the wrong crowd being anti-gun liberals. So. I started to uh, take on that that whole anti-gun mindset, you know, that whole you know guns are dangerous, we don't need them, and all that. Even though I had uh, I had a, a good fond uh, experience with guns when I was a kid, so so I had a, a bit of a conflict of uh, of thought. And um, what happened was my wife and I had a situation with this guy coming out of a late night movie theater, and and uh, I realized in one night that, you know, my whole idea, my whole anti-gun position was really wrong and dangerous for myself and my family. It, it was one of those moments, I don't know if you guys ever had, that, you know, you can have one little experience that completely changes the way you think about something, and that was one of those nights. So I, um, so I, I told my wife I was getting a gun and brought her through the entire process of gun ownership uh, with me and helped her understand, helped her feel comfortable with it. But I wrote an article about that uh, about that night, and it got picked up by a bunch of websites. And um, and that was the first chapter to the book. The rest of the first book just wrote itself. It really wrote itself as I started to research more on how the narrative around guns is manipulated and uh, how the anti-gun crowd really just tries to implement fear and anger and hate into the conversation to to uh, di- you know to make people scared of guns so the research went really deep into the thought process of, of gun ownership and anti-gun you know uh, the, the anti-gun position and so that's what the book is really about it's about the strategies and tactics of the anti-gun side of the conversation, what they do to manipulate the conversation, and how we can better understand yes. them so we can either help them or defeat them. Fantastic. We have got a uh, great guest with us today. Uh, John, what, what, what do you make of Dan and his and his book here? We'll get into the other book here in just a few I'm, moments. I'm actually pretty impressed by it because, I mean, um, he's, he's a reasonable guy. He had an incident, and I'm glad nothing ever happened with that. But, um, you know, you had an incident where it kind of makes you see things in a different view. And it's not so much that there's certain people that just don't get the idea. It's like they're talking about the NRA, blah, blah, this. It's like, well, none of these, like, hood rats that have guns and are shooting people <laughs> up like crazy are members of the NRA. Yes. When they talk about, when they talk <laughs> yeah. about other things, it's kind of like, hey, do you realize that these people aren't following the other 2,300 gun ordinances that are already on the books? It, it doesn't matter what you do. They're not going to follow them. All you're doing is sitting there penalizing and hurting people that are legitimate, law-abiding, good people that, you know, want to have protection. Right. 
it's the biggest thing, and people don't understand that. It's like, you know, you can sit there and you can put speed limits anywhere you want. If you don't have a cop there 24-7 with oh, a speed yeah. gun, there's people that are going to speed. Yeah. You know, oh, it's Jesus. just a just, thing. Just look at the drivers here in Hutch. Oh, yeah, they're idiots. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I like the way you come across in an intelligent, you know, kind of benevolent manner about it. It's like, you know, you were on one side, you went to the other, then you kind of seen the kind of in-between, you understand things. And it's like, I like that. Well, thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah, and, and one thing, you know, you've, you've made me, you sparked a thought. There, You know, there's something about the anti-gun side of the conversation that's really interesting. The people on the anti-gun side, um, it, you know, it goes really deeper than just the idea that, you know, guns are actually useful to save lives. It goes deeper than that. There's there's something going on in the minds of these people. And what I what I figured out was, that there, it's not just some people like guns and some people don't, which is originally what I thought. But on the anti-gun side, there are two groups. There's the group that I call the anti-gunners, who are regular people that we we interact with every day. You know, people we meet in the mm-hmm. bank or the grocery store or whatever, even family members that are anti-gun, and they just don't understand, and and, and they just they're scared to death of guns, uh, and they just don't get it. They would just rather than learn anything they would just rather see guns go just go away well they don't necessarily want to kill our rights right but they, but they're scared and they don't and they don't know what to do and they don't know they don't understand so they want to go to they just want guns to go away but then there's another group called that i call the anti-second amendment radicals and they know exactly what they're doing and they fight every day to disarm their fellow citizens and not only that but they fight to to convince as many of those anti-gunners as possible to get on board with their with their mission. I mean, these are the people, the anti-second radicals are the people that will be cheering in the streets if our Second Amendment was ever, you know, repealed. They, they want a government-controlled society, and they're willing to lie and cheat and do anything they can to convince as many people as possible to go along with them. Did you... Oh yeah. People don't understand the Second Amendment was never about hunting and stuff like that. It was about the um, rights of the people to be able to protect themselves against the tyrannical government. In case the the founding fathers knew that, and that's what the Second Amendment is about. And it's like if you want to sit there and just show somebody, it's like you don't have to per se own a gun, but don't tell people they can't have them. Because I mean, look at the um, Polish. Look at the. Um, Look at Venezuela. Look at everything like that. That's the the way you sit there and you get to that system is you disarm your public so they can't fight back. Well, you know, a perfect example is what we're watching right now in Venezuela. It's right. just unbelievable that we can see what's going on there and we can have these people over there in Venezuela, these poor people are 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 fighting to defend themselves against a violent government and the only thing they have to defend themselves with is throw is to throw rocks because they've been disarmed oh, yeah. by their government. It's a terror. Yeah, it's exactly. the most terrible thing. But and we have Democrats in our country who want that for us. It's unbelievable that they can see what's going on over there and still stick to that anti-gun, uh, government control, socialist, communist, whatever you want to call it's it. It's amazing you. how those same Democrats have armed guards that are with them for protection details. Well, that too. But it's like people don't understand. They talk about socialism. Sorry, I'm kind of throwing this off in a different round. But Venezuela used to be one of the most up-and-coming, prosperous countries in the world. It was the most prosperous country in South America at one time, and now look at them. 
Yeah. Well, and it wasn't very long ago that they had rights to gun to, to firearms. It was only 10 or 12 years ago. And it, this stuff happens really quick. You know, so, and, you know, if, if we don't do something, Democrats will be the death of this country. And uh, because they're, they're playing with something that, that, will, that, that they don't understand. And, uh, you know, I think, the, I think the Democrat leaders understand, and they want the government control, but, but the people who vote for them are, must be really clueless um, because they don't understand what's going to happen to their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids if their policies were to, uh, were to move forward. Well, I mean, they're just myopic. They think it's going to be this great wonderland. It's like they talk about socialized medicine. Socialized medicine is cheaper for the individual per se but it's crappier medicine i mean anybody that's got any kind of money in canada comes to the u.s for health care yep you know it's like it doesn't work i mean over in france they decide whether you're gonna live or die or whatever it's like you know it's up to the government to decide not you whether you can get this life-saving operation it's like oh you know he's probably gonna live another four years nope we're not gonna do it you know and it's like people just don't see the little things like there's there's good things and bad things with everything, but there's not nearly enough good with the ideas of, you know, disarming your public and things. Because, like I said, the founding fathers put that in place because they wanted people to be protected because the yeah. original government of that was tyrannical Britain, that's how they overthrew them. They were able to arm themselves and be able to protect themselves. And that's how the United States came about. And you've got all these people that just don't seem to understand. They've got a complete different narrative. And the funny thing is, they sit there and say they're the party of, you know, acceptance and, you know, non-exclusivity like that. But they, you know, they don't judge you unless you don't believe exactly what they think. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing that I noticed about the differences between people on the left and people on the right is that the left, the, the, the people on the left who vote democrat and who want these liberal progressive policies they they really um they want government control they want rules and laws and regulations and restrictions they want that structured controlled environment because to them it feels safe you know there are boundaries that they're safe within you know in other words nothing else is their is their fault you know if they you know, it's always government's fault, or parents, or their professor, or their, their oh, boss, yeah. or whatever. It's it's a it comes from a mentality that is a, a victim mentality with a lack of responsibility, and that's why they gravitate toward that. And what I think uh, on the right, we have a mentality that says, "Get the hell out of my way! I'll do what I want when <laughs> I want, and I don't need you or anybody else to tell me what to think." And if I screw up, I will take responsibility for that screw up. And when I succeed, I expect to be able to, to reap the rewards from my success. And so that's the difference in mentality. It's completely different. And that's why we have such a divide in this country. And, and I think the left really wants that government control, but they can't do it because we won't get on board. Well, I think um, I agree totally with what you're saying there. And it's like, I mean... I'm a registered libertarian, but I also lean more to conservative. But I think the biggest problem with progressive liberals is they want to tell you what you should believe or what you should accept and instead of asking you to tolerate or accept it. 
it's there's a big difference. If you ask somebody, it's like if I ask Jiggy to accept the fact that I'm a little bit OCD or something like that, you know, he's a little <laughs> bit more likely. If I tell him he has to, there's a resistance there because most people don't like being told. They like being asked. Right. It's yeah, a simple exactly. thing there. It's like, I mean, you don't have to sit there and accept gay marriage, but you don't care if the couple across the street is a gay oh, yeah. couple and stuff like that, you know. Because, you know, they're just the guys you invite over for the barbecue or, you know, the ladies across the street, you know. You know, you sit there, everybody's getting out there having a beer in the in the driveway. Right. You know, you don't care. Just don't shove it down my throat that I have yeah. to. Well, that's just it. You know, that's exactly, that's a great point. That's a perfect example because I, I don't care what you do. You can, you can date or marry whoever the hell you want. Right. I, I really don't care. You know, but when you, when you bring trans genders or transvestites or I don't even know what these are bringing them into yeah I, I, I don't know to, to teach They've kids changed the terms. well it's like I mean I understand that there's people I, I truly believe there are people that were born in the wrong body I really do on yeah. that part but it's the whole thing is like if you know pardon my like simplifying this if you have a wiener you're a guy if you don't have one you're not one okay until that happens you guys just came off another segment so we gotta be careful here you know it, I understand you know like the thought process and more power to you to live however you're happy but until that point genetically you're a guy until you get rid of that and then you know then you can sit there and do whatever you want assign however you want but I mean and I know that's oversimplifying and kind of maybe being a little bit too harsh on it but it's like you know if you it's it's one of those things where I mean I've got friends that are you know in the pro- process of transitioning more power to them I love them to death man they're not going to say anything bad but it's like they also understand if they came into like a nightclub I was working at they're going to have to go to the right restroom yeah 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 right yeah and yeah I, I, I agree. This is, a, this is a tough one because you're right. They're good people. It's yeah. not that. It's just don't push it on me and tell me that I'm supposed to uh, forget uh, logic and reality and yeah. call you something that I know you're not and force my speech, uh, force my thoughts, force my beliefs, and, and make me pretend something exists that doesn't really exist. That's where I have a problem with it. You can do whatever you want. Right. But just don't force me. See, that's the whole thing. Most people don't like being forced, anything forced upon them. Right. And that's where you get the biggest disconnect between progressive liberals and everybody else. Not just, not all liberals, but the progressive liberals. You go the extreme either way, they're both evil. You know, but it's like, you know, we were talking in your whole thing with the Second Amendment and gun rights and stuff. About a good percentage of the people are law-abiding citizens on it. Oh, yeah. Sure. And it's like, it's it, it doesn't do any good to make more laws because the people that are already breaking them aren't good to follow them. Well, yeah. It's like, <laughs> um, sorry, Dan, right? Yes. Okay, sorry. I don't know why I drew a blank there for a second. Sorry. Do you think the bigger thing would be, instead of like making more laws, actually enforcing and making punishments for violations of those laws a little bit more? Hardcore, like, you know, if you're a convicted felon and you get caught with a gun or something like that, you're gone. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You're not going to get released again. It's like I was telling people, I go, if you make punishments harsher, 
that's the reason you don't see a lot of repeat offenders like over in foreign countries. Like, and I'm, it's going to sound weird coming here, but in Muslim countries, you don't see a lot of repeat offenders yeah. because right. it isn't a candy ass <laughs> little punishment. It's like you caught stealing. Okay, well, let's hope you can do things with your left hand, you know, and stuff. It's like if you sit there and say some guy, you know, hey, you thought you were a little Mr. Gangster wannabe like that down in the trailer park there, you know, Roderick, you know, hey. Guess what? You're going to spend 50 years in prison. No hope for parole like that. What? what? You know. Well, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, that the the punishment for uh, like a a violent felon or whatever the parameter is that says you can't have a gun and you do, that punishment should be great. um, But what I think that should be, that should be the one rule with gun ownership because all the other stuff is nonsense all the magazine capacity restrictions and the gun-free zones and all the all the little restrictions that we constantly gun owners constantly have to jump through hoops to try the hoops to try to you know not become a felon you know whether it's transportation through interstate travel whatever there's a zillion different laws that we have to you know we're subjected to all those need to go away and the one law would be you know, if you're a convicted felon and you are, you know, caught with a, a firearm, um, then that pe- that penalty should be great. But that should be the only penalty because you know we have we have uh, we have states that are constitutional carry states, which means that as long as you're not a felon, you can carry a gun. And those states have the least least amount of crime, violent crime, because it's like people the ones are that- there to defend themselves. Yeah. Well, you look like the biggest gun violences are in the places that have the strictest, most stringent gun laws. Of course. And it's like, yeah. doesn't that sound kind of stupid? It's kind of like... Yeah, but it does. It sounds really illogical. Yeah, but, it's an oxymoron. But when you think about why they do it, it makes sense. They understand that. They, they don't... It's not like they don't get it. They understand what they're doing, and, and that's part... It seems to be part of the plan. Um, it's really just a, a government control. It's a control over the people and, and structuring yeah. our society and that what they want to do. And that's the way they do it. They know that the uh, the results are terrible. You know, well, talk to us about your second book. Well, the second book, Good Gun, Bad Guy 2, Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative, which is the most important piece. I think the narrative in this country on guns is, is very important because once we can change that narrative and help people think differently about guns, help people see guns in an honest positive uh, light, uh, that's where we need to go. So, so what the uh, second book, Good, Good, Bad Guy 2, talks about is, is the media's involvement in this whole conversation and how they shape the landscape of gun ownership and they, they shape the narrative um, and why they do it, you know, what's, the, what, what's, their, uh, what's their vested interest. And I talk about all that stuff and the strategies that they use when you watch a lot of these, um, you know, uh, left-wing media uh, shows, and you have speakers and commentators and things. Um, the strategies and the tactics and the and the word games that they use um, are pretty interesting, and they're very yes. good at it. Yes. Know? And they're very good at changing the narrative and 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 locking blocking people into a corner um, in in conversation and stuff. So I talk about all that stuff, mostly the media's involvement. How, how do you think that uh, we can change uh, the, 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 the perception, I guess, media-wise? Because me and John talk about that all the time, about well, the media always does all sorts of things to screw with 
Well, yeah, they, they sensationalize stuff and completely. It's like they they know if they sit there and they put a certain article out there, it's going to get certain people in an uproar. And then they know another thing's going to get a bunch of other people in an uproar. And it's like yeah. they do it on purpose instead of reporting the news. They're like, you know, like a bad, like MTV of sorts, you know, yeah. it's a bad reality thing. It's like you got like idiots all over the place, like MSNBC who have no clue what they're talking about 90% of the time. And they just completely do all kinds of a false narrative. And it's like, there's always a middle ground on pretty much anything that's out there. But it's it's just amazing how they manipulate the stupid people. Yeah, that's just it. They're, they they are um, they are stupid people. There's there's stupid people out there who just eat it up like candy. And it's and John, you said false narrative. That's chapter number two in the first book. It's called false narrative. And um, but yeah, you know, like what what do we do? Well, we're doing it right now whether you realize it or not, we're talking about this stuff. And we're talking about guns now in a different way. This, these types of conversations were never really had. And, and I saw a spot where people weren't really talking about the kind of the mindset and psychology behind all this stuff. And um, we're doing it. We're doing it now. So we have to keep talking about it. And it actually gets very interesting to, when you get down into the, into the thought process on this stuff and we have these discussions. And this stuff is happening all over the country right now. There are, um, for the lack of a better term, right-wing uh, media everywhere. I, I'm doing shows all over the country, and I can't believe all the people coming out asking to talk about, about what we're talking about today. So we're doing it. we just got to keep doing it. Amen, sir. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. And uh, so, so what's been some feedback you've gotten on the book so far? Because both books are incredible. Well, thank you. Um, the the main the the one feedback that keeps coming back is this: people say you're saying exactly what I'm thinking, but I was unable to 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 ex- express it. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so thankful. I really, I got to tell you guys, I, I'm really thankful that this is happening like this. I told my editor, I said, when when I wrote the first manuscript, I said, look, Bill, Bill, Bill Dolan, great guy. Um, I said, I said, Bill, this is either going to fall flat on its face, people are going to think I'm crazy, or they're going to absolutely love it. So let's see what happens. And we put it out, and and people really do, they really dig in it. So I couldn't be happier. Fantastic. So uh, how do we get a hold of you online, social media, websites, all these different sure. things? Well, the book, you can, you can find the book at goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com, or you can search Good Gun Bad Guy on Amazon. I can be found on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, my name is Dan Wass, D-A-N-W-O-S, as in Sam, Dan Wass, and, um, and YouTube good gun bad guy youtube channel and we also have a good uh, a loaded mic it's called the loaded mic podcast which i do with uh with my son who's also my uh, my uh, producer and we do a podcast and we talk about politics and guns and and all the great all the great things in life <laughs> and uh so that's called the loaded mic and there's a, a youtube channel for that too we also do that with uh with a, a, another co-host named john chiera um it's a great, great talk. So, so yeah, so those are all the ways you can find me. 
Now, you, you mentioned that you've been on uh, various media. You've been all over the place. Uh, me and John talk to all sorts of different people each time that John is here. And we always sometimes hear horror stories of uh, our guests being on certain shows. Have you had any problems with any of that? Or has everybody been pretty much friendly to what you're doing? He's asking if you had an ambush job yet. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty much speaking to people who get it. People, you know, um, conservative-minded people, mostly gun owners. Um, So I've been really running in those circles. However, I will get on radio sometimes, and we'll get callers that call in, and they're tied gun. So I will get some negative feedback. I have um, a a clown up here in Glens Falls, New York, who writes for a a local rag. His name is is Will Doolittle, and he likes to take some shots at me. (laughs) (laughs) Your your name is your destiny. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Will Doolittle. Will Doolittle. (laughs) He talks to the animals. But, uh, so I do have some, you know, some knuckleheads that like to take shots at me because they're so locked into the anti-gun position. You know, they're so locked in. It violates, it violates them when, when, I, when I speak the truth about guns. So, yeah, so that's, you know, that, that happens. But that's okay. It, you know, I can handle these clowns. They're all right. <laughs> I just... Me, me and John talk about talk about guns on the show and, 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 and talk about it before the show and after the show and things. I'm just blown away by the fact that, that y- you... There's there, there's people like this Doolittle guy who uh, who takes shots and everything. It's well, like, he's probably what? got to with that last name. I feel well, sorry for the dude. You know, I'm not trying to be mean to him, but I mean, now we know there's the three main people in Glen Falls is known for is Dan... <laughs> Mr. Right. Doolittle and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I yeah, know. No. What, what he said in oh, Glens Falls, you know. New York. I'm like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I know. How, how do we always bring it back to pro wrestling somehow? I don't know, dude. You know, I forgot all about him. Yeah. You're from, from See, day. funny enough, I think his dad was a police officer up there. That's right. Or police chief or something. Is, is he still alive or he just died recently? No, he's no, still alive. He's still alive. In oh, okay. fact, he's still uh, kicking. Uh, me and a buddy of ours ran into him at a Comic-Con in Kansas City last year. And oh, he, had, he had just bought a booth, and we were like, what the hell are you doing here? You're not on the list. You know, you just got this booth. And he goes, oh, my daughter lives here in Kansas City. And we came up, and I thought, eh, screw it. I'll run by the Home Depot, buy a bunch of <laughs> two-by-fours. I'll sign them, and I'll sell them for 50 bucks. And he was making a ton of money out Oh, he's there. a smart dude. <laughs> he's a smart, oh, smart know, guy. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of somebody else. Another one, another uh WWF guy died. I, I, I'm sorry that I associated that with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, no, else. no. What the heck was that? I can't remember now. Um, but anyway, all that. Yeah, that's cool. I, I remember that now. Hacksaw Jim Duggan from Glen Falls, New York. Yeah, he really, he really is from <laughs> I know, there. He is real. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so, uh, so, so, Dan, uh, are you working on any other books, or is this, or is the second one finito? You're done. You're heading on down the road. Well, uh, no, I, I, I am working on another one, and it should be out in the fall. It's going to be Good Gun, Bad Guy 3. You guessed right. And, um, <laughs> I was wondering. It's going it's to it's get into more of the politics behind the, the conversation. So this one is going to be really cool, and, and it's going to go deeper than, than even the first two books. So um, they're all starting to come together and make sense now as a series, uh, because as I evolve in this conversation, um, 
it, it just gets richer and richer, um, and, and I'm, I'm just having a blast with it. So. Good stuff. Well, I think people are actually waking up to some of the ignorant narrative on everything, and it's it's kind of nice to see because, I mean, they were just talking on how, like, even the New York Post or whatever it is oh, yeah. is seeing stuff, and they're like, well, yeah, it was pretty much bullshit, you know, on the one thing there. <laughs> it's nice to see that a completely weird-ass, like, sorry, Dan, because you live up there, but an extremely, you know, liberal freaking state like New York is actually, and their main media source is actually saying, like, well, yeah, they were pretty much illegally doing this, you know, spying on the campaign, you know. And it's it's fun when things finally start to come around. Yes. And everybody's you know, like... You know, what's you know what's interesting about New York and... Um, you know, just to, just to kind of let everybody know what it's like up here. This is, you know, in upstate New York, it's it's a different world than New York City. Every, we always oh, get yeah. tagged with that, that liberal, you know. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I had a friend that was from Buffalo. Unfortunately, we have a liberal so. governor who's destroying the state, but that's another story. But upstate <laughs> New York, you guys got to come up. We have the Adirondack Mountains. It's beautiful up here. We have a good mix of conservative um, liberal uh, residents. It, it's It's pretty good. It's a nice place to be. Fantastic. Well, uh, I guess before we let you go, uh, one more time, run it down for us. How do we get old to be online and social media, all the websites, everything? Yep. Goodgunbadguy.net, goodgunbadguy.com, or search me on social media. It's Dan Wass, D-A-N-W-O-S. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for making time for us today. We uh, definitely uh, enjoyed this, and we definitely will uh, would love to have you back again, my friend. Thank you, Dan. Oh, anytime, guys. Thanks so much. I had a great conversation. It was, it was a lot of fun. Definitely. Thank you, man. There he goes, Dan Wass. And, okay, uh, you hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a grand slam today. Four, four in a row, Four dude. in a row. It's amazing. And all of them were great talks. I mean, <laughs> all of them. Good stuff, man. We had a, uh, had a blast today. It's a... Uh, so you didn't even have to rate anything with cups of tea or anything. No, thank God. <laughs> but that. I'm sure. But I'm sure the New Era podcast is offended uh, somehow. <laughs> they're offended somehow. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna give you guys some pub there. <laughs> way anybody hears about y'all. Well, uh, that about wraps it, wraps it up for us. Uh, I guess before we let before we let you go, do you have any appearances or anything you're going to be doing any times? Not that I know of. I'm going to try to make the show for PCW up here in um, June. June now. I, I don't know why it got moved to June. Well, I think it was just because there was it was like there was too much crud going on. You've got graduations. You've got Mother's Day. You've got all yeah. kinds of stuff going on. Unless you're going to do it right at the beginning of the month, it would be they're smart to move it. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's getting out of school, doing this, traveling and stuff. So yeah. it's like, wait, let everybody settle down. <laughs> do it. Well, uh, what, 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 what do you do out there at, at, at the PCW shows? Are, 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 For the most part, I actually just have fun. It's like, um, I, I didn't like know if you guys. were managing anybody. I or? am to a point like that. They had this one kid they are trying to get over, you yeah. know, with the crowd, you know, to get them to hate them. So they were just like, they were like, hey, you know, easiest way. Oh, yeah, easiest way is, hey, we heard you're coming up. We're going to pair you with this guy because we want the crowd to hate him. Oh, okay, that's easy enough. You know, I still, it, it's it's funny how, and I know I'm going to sound like a whiner here, but I get over. Well, I'm, I'm standing like Kenny Zombie Jones Jr. here. I get over, but they don't want to give me the credit. Well, that too. You know, but I just have fun. I love the kids in the back. The guys are great. It's 
It's just fun. It's nice and it's close. I don't have to drive three hours. Oh yeah. Anything. That's the only thing I. It's like I'd go work for Flex if it was closer. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like do. him. I like him a lot. It's like you know, same thing with Dan. I just don't want to drive all the way out to the oh middle of nowhere. Oh my you know, god! You know I love Dan. Dan's oh, one yeah, of my best Dan, buddies. Dan, and stuff. Dan's the man, and I. Uh, He's one of the best guys in the world. But it's kind of like you know, it's like when they were doing stuff up here in Hutch. That baby. Oh yeah, it's a pain <laughs> in the butt. Just. Oh. You know that it's drive. Like, it's like I can come up here and sell T-shirts and whatever like that, and I can make 60 70 bucks and go home yeah. and i can be there in 30 some minutes at the longest yeah you know if i go out there it's like okay 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 and then you gotta wait and then it's like another two and a half hours to get home and you're like okay was this worth it it was worth yeah. it because i got to see all my friends well yeah but i mean you know that's five hours out of the day i just kind of like crap the bed oh on. my god and that's what that, you know that's drive baby <laughs> yeah it's like else. and i mean yours is like an hour less coming from here well, you yeah. know and it's like everybody knows how close me and dan are we're like yeah. brothers okay oh, i yeah. think the world of the guy you know he's a great dude i'm so glad he's happy now oh yeah and everything but oh, it's like jesus when i saw him at that at that hall of fame induction thing i wish they would have uh, told me he was coming before Four like four well, days before the yeah. factor, I might have been able to make it. <laughs> he was he was just having a good time and it, it yeah it's just nice it's, when he's not stressed. God, it's nice to see the guy. He's he he's making it work, and I was really it 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 was it was good to see that he was in a good place. So, what do you know about this bad girls of wrestling? <laughs> I have no idea. I figured it's something. It's probably it's Ed's doing it, right? I think so. If it is, it's probably just an offshoot. They're probably doing an all ladies show because, I mean, as much as people want to sit there and make fun of it, or I mean, there are some really crappy women wrestlers around. <laughs> there are a ton. I mean, a ton There's of really, really, good, really good female wrestlers from like all through this area. Yeah. I mean, you go to Texas, Oklahoma alone. They've got a ton. And there's quite a few, like, up uh, by Kansas City. Yep. And Billy. Billy's got some really. Oh, Billy's got some At people. XWE, he's got some hella talented girls getting ready to come out of there. I mean, I've been impressed. I've been impressed with everybody through that thing. It's so. like, I mean, there's no Jimmy the Funk whatever like that where he gets up after something that should <laughs> be devastating. Jimmy the Funk whatever. Well, I mean, oh. okay, the kid himself. Oh, the kid himself is a great kid. Good yes. kid. Good kid. Yes good talent but that just pissed me off so much when he did that and that's what you know it's like you know something that's supposed to be devastating you just killed the whole it's show. like uh, uh what's his name that's got heat in the WWE? leo rush oh my god what when a little he, uh, penis wrinkle that guy goes through the do you know how hard it is to get mark henry pissed off at you mark henry's <laughs> pissed off at him if anybody listens to xm or sirius xm you, know, you got busted open on Fight Nation. You've really got to be a complete jack off and screw up to sit there and get Mark Henry pissed off at you, because <laughs> all he wants to do is help people and make sure they do better. Yeah, you know, because he knew all of his mistakes and he knew about his temper and stuff, and he just wants everybody to be better. And I mean, he's like the ultimate big brother up there. He's a good dude, you know, and he doesn't just get on people's cases. It's like when um. Oh, what's his face went off about Bianca Belair, you know, like that. Oh yeah. Mark Henry was like, yeah, you know, he was kind of like he was a little sensitive on that, just because he was the one that discovered her, yeah. somewhat. But 
he also understood, you know, he didn't like go off like, hey, blah, 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 blah. He had a nice conversation with them, went on to Sam Roberts' podcast, you know, and they talked about it. And Sam Roberts just like, he goes, not my cup of tea. He goes, yeah, she's talented, but hey, just not my cup of tea. I just don't like it. He goes, and maybe it's just the direction. It's not her herself. Yeah. You know, they do stuff. But I mean, Leo Rush, what a little penis wrinkle. My God. (laughs) Seriously, I mean, the guy is talented as all get out. Oh, yeah. But you know, my four year old niece is the same size. (laughs) You know, it's like, dude. (laughs) She might be tall. (laughs) Dude, there are kids in grade school that are bigger than you. Shut up. You're, You're not that great. I mean, yeah, you're talented, but I mean, I could bring a gymnast in that can do half the shit you do. And. He probably won't take everybody off. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. The guy, the guy acts like he's the crap backstage, and he's not. Oh, yeah. He's not. It's like maybe you are at a PCW show if you showed up. <laughs> you'd be the thing. And that's not dogging the PCW no, guys. No, it's, it's just like in that instance, yeah, he would be the stuff. Yeah, he'd be a he'd be a major fucking star. Yeah, that's that's where he could sit there and have but, the friggin' ego. I'd still probably slap the shit out of him. But walking around backstage at WWE. Yeah, you know, you got guys like Mark Henry trying to come up and help you, and you basically just bold-faced lie to him. It's like, you know, it's like me. I mean, I'm OCD. I got all kinds of different little things. But, you know, if you come up to me, I want you to be, I want you to look really good. It's like you've seen me do stuff oh, in the yeah. ring before. I don't do anything in the ring anymore. But it's like I wanted everybody to look good. Yeah. Because the better you look, the better I looked. Well, yeah. It's like people don't understand in anything it's like if you work at a restaurant, it doesn't matter if you're the best <laughs> server there. If everybody else is terrible, it's not so much that, like, you know, Jiggy's Bar and Grill, you know, Sue at Jiggy Bar and Grill is, like, terrible. It's like Jiggy's Bar and Grill sucks. Yeah. You know, if you've got, like, a, you know, a, you represent people like a publicity or something like that. You know, you got an ad agency. It doesn't matter if you have one stinker thing. If you sit there and you have a bunch of that were really good, they're going to let you go. But they don't they don't care if somebody there ticks them off. It's not so much that person ticks me off. It's like that whole place pissed me off. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that's what I mean. You want to – you can sit there and have, like, three really good matches, but the other four matches suck ass and they look like they shouldn't even be in the ring. They should be sitting in the audience. Yes, then, yeah, they're going to sit there and say, oh, God, that's that's, that's a Yard Tart Federation. <laughs> yard Tart Federation. I love that. I love that term. Well, that's kind of what a lot of, I mean, honestly, there was a, that was what, uh, before Billy and some of the other guys got, that's what XWE was. Yeah. It was a Yard Tart yeah. Federation. Yeah. You know, Kenny Zombie Jones was a Yard Tart. He learned. <laughs> he learned. Well, he was. He'll admit that himself freely. But he went around and he learned, and there was nobody that sat there and busted their ass to get themselves more into the flow of stuff than him. Yeah. And now you've got tons of great guys. You've got... Aaron oh, you've Helms. Got, I love Aaron Helms. Marketing, dude's a genius. Yeah. I love the whole thing. Him and Eddie and Bubba, the American way. And then you've got, like, Justin Gray. You've got Chris Vane. you got Christian Temple. you got the kid Paradox. Yeah. Um, God, I can't remember the one guy's... Um, Juno something. He's, um, oh, the Juno Granger guy. Yes. At first, I didn't like him. Now I like him. But it was more like, I think it was more actually he was doing a great job. Well, Because, I mean, I was just like, God, I really hate this dude. You know? <laughs> I hate this dude. And then I got a chance to talk to him in the back and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, man, I like him. But he did a great job out there yeah. pissing me off. 
<laughs> you know? That's awesome. No, that's good when you can do that to me. Well, yeah. When you can do that to me, you're doing good. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then you've got good veterans that have been around forever that sit there teaching these guys right, like yeah. um, Blade, Billy Simmons, all yeah. those guys. It's it's nice. Well, uh, I guess we we'll wrap up here. Uh, next week we will be taped because it's Mother's Day, so we're going to tape that show this week. Um, I have a band traveling through... Uh, the state of Kansas. They're apparently playing in Oklahoma, and their PR guy was like, well, they have Tuesday open. Can they come by and do an interview? And I was like, okay. So they'll be here Tuesday, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So we will be live on stream at uh, 1 o'clock. So uh, I will see you Tuesday, I guess, and uh, check out the website. And, uh, John, thanks for coming down, baby. This has been fun. As always. And uh, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.